Hello and welcome to episode number 228 of the Super Horror Bros podcast. I'm your host Matt and joining me as always is my brother Mike. Hello. How's it going? Good man, we made it. We, we have made, made it. it. How many drinks have you got in you already? Uh, a few bro and I have a few more lined up. Uh, Same. <laughs> it's needed. It's been one yes. hell of a year. That can only mean one thing, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) We are here to discuss 2020. (laughs) Um, But yeah, this is our best of 2020 special, Um, our fifth annual end of year show, which is crazy to think about. Um, Five years. I know. And uh, yeah, we're here to talk about all the best things within kind of the horror genre. It is in a very sort of nebulous way, I guess, um, across all different <laughs> platforms. Um, You're making the caveats now. Yeah. Let's, just, let's just get it out of the way. There's The Mandalorian will be mentioned, all right? That's just, you just have to deal with that at this point. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, kind of, it's been a wild, wild year, very long year. And um, yeah. we're here to discuss, of course, uh, will be our top 10 best horror films of 2020, um, mm-hmm. as decided by the two of us. Um, and then we will go also over a few different listener kind of picks of what they uh, liked this year. Um, mm-hmm. And then also we will be giving out our best of awards. Uh, I think it's eight individual awards that we've always given out. Um, yeah, the the world famous Super Horror Bros uh, awards that mm-hmm. are the much coveted, the exactly. never changing, the always consistent. Yeah, we like to get uh, in just before the Oscars because they pretty much steal most of our picks anyway. Um, yeah, for sure, for sure. But uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. You've got this a lot to look forward to, so strap in. Um, but yeah, kind of kicking things off, I always like to go through some stats from the year. Um, oh, I wasn't even prepared for this. I'm like, <laughs> Let me just have a sip of my beer. I, I love the stats. Give me some yeah. stats. Um, so, yeah, there isn't a huge amount of hair, but kind of like just the, the one thing that we will compare year on year is the amount of new films that we covered, because I always think that's interesting, mm. um, especially within this year. So, of course, 2016, um, only 27 new horror films. Um, 2017, which is always a weird one for me of how low this number is, because obviously we were doing the show full time in 2017. Yeah. Um, was only 37 new horror films um then kind of this is where you get to the consistency of 2018 we saw 52 new horror films um and then obviously last year was a biggie we saw 53 new horror films um that's not including that we obviously did a show on once upon a time in hollywood as well so that's not even a part of that um so yeah 53 new horror films we covered last year um what do you think the number is for this year um 43 god he's gone low <laughs> i've gone low i've lowballed it yeah so obviously i mean we have put out pretty much as many shows um mm. obviously we've done different things which we'll yeah get- we had our specials we had our tv mm. so yeah i'm i'm gonna go we're about 10 down on last um year. the answer is 53 once again the wow. same number as last wow. year which is we shocking really- we really worked hard this year we did indeed um and especially when you look at this breakdown of what those movies were um so cinema releases um there was only nine films we saw at the cinema this year um compared to the 17 of last year um and that's also not including the 10 that we saw on fright fest on the big screen last year so technically we saw 27 movies in the theater last year compared Mm -hmm. to just nine this year which i guess speaks volumes of course of this year and all the delays and all that you know especially 
mean, I'm surprised we got we got nine in as well. Like we started yep. the year rapid. We really did. Yeah, there was they were all in the first three months, and then I think we saw about four or five once they reopened. Yeah. Um, Netflix originals, kind of that's a weird one because obviously it depends on what comes out. But we saw four Netflix originals uh, this year compared to five last year. Um, so yeah. very similar. Um, this is kind of the weirdest one, I guess, is the kind of digital slash Blu-ray releases. Just anything that's like a new release that isn't on you know Netflix or cinema, basically. Um, we saw twenty-seven of those this year, <laughs> um, which is up from the twenty-one of last year, um, of course. So yeah, a lot of those are filling in the gaps of where we obviously would have seen cinema releases this year. Um, yeah. you know, I think we were and on track to beat that. I think- yeah oh for sure and i think this year it almost warrants adding the shutter category yeah that is true because we've probably seen as many shutter original releases as netflix oh definitely yeah yeah. you know and i think um you know it, it shows what what companies have kind of grabbed the ball by the horns and what companies haven't like netflix have been surprisingly static in the lockdown mm it almost seems like people just flock to Netflix because it's Netflix and they didn't need yeah. to kind of earn that sub and, and other providers did. Mm. Yeah. I completely um, agree. Their with original that. content, you know, was, was somewhat lacking this year. Yeah. This was a big year for other services, big year for Disney plus, um, you know, first full year in the UK for us, um, big year for the launch of HBO max. And of course they've got a huge year ahead of themselves. Um, Crazy. So yeah, it's very much the talk has been about other streaming platforms outside of Netflix. Um, mm. And uh, yeah, so we saw 13 movies at Fright Fest this year, um, which is so it's insane. That was of course the kind of first event in August, the kind of main Fright Fest as it were. I remember two of those movies <laughs> yeah i remember three um and yeah that's compared to the 10 that we saw last year so yeah that is the most we've ever seen at fright fest um it's probably yes. the most we will ever see at fright fest oh yeah that number's never getting beaten um and then uh, we I don't did want to beat it no we did free tv show specials this year um can you remember what those were i'm trying to remember now off the top yeah, of my sure. head <laughs> we did we did twilight zone um yeah. we did creep show last week and what was the other one? American Horror Story. That no, didn't come out this year. <laughs> what else did we uh, see? TV special. But uh, yeah, I'll try and look it up now. But we we also did free TV show, uh, show specials last year. Um, so that is consistent because yeah, like sh- um, obviously Stranger Things was like last year, wasn't it? Um, yeah. And like Black Mirror. Uh, let's. I'm now having a look. Let's see. It was not that. Not that Twilight Zone. Um. Oh, Haunting of Bly Manor. There we go. Oh, yeah, <laughs> Should have remembered that one. Um, and yeah, then the kind of the last few things, obviously we celebrated our 200th episode this year, which is pretty exciting. Um, definitely one of the highlights. And of course, what followed that was our four Scream retrospective shows. Um, that was a great time. Yeah, it was such an awesome time. I'd love to do How that. How do we yeah. still see 53 movies, man? Yeah, it's mad. Uh, um, We've got to take a break. Yeah. And so, yeah, obviously, including this now best of special, um, we released 51 shows this year. Um, mm-hmm. How many do you think we did last year in terms of just shows? <laughs> 51 correct <laughs> um so yeah we are very consistent you know the same amount of new films as last year and the same amount of shows um and uh yeah the only other thing of what of note is that we did release our kind of first ever piece of content on the podcast feed this year that mm-hmm. wasn't a numbered show which i'm sure you do remember what that was i do indeed it still looks <laughs> 
um so yeah the kind of reaction our crazy first reaction to the spiral trailer man mm-hmm. that seems like god that seems like 10 years ago <laughs> it, it was it was a it was a journey how long was that podcast it was about 30 to 40 minutes, I believe. <laughs> Mostly of just me theorizing things that may or may not happen in a Saw movie, yeah. which are definitely not going to happen. <laughs> mm-hmm. But it was a great time. It was about the hype, and that's what we're all about. And it's, you know, I think one of the things that's severely been lacking this year is the hype, mm-hmm. which has been a shame. Um, but Will we get to a point that we're a year after that reaction before the movie comes out? We must be. We must do, right? We Well, we will do, because the, the film got delayed yeah. a whole year, so... So, so um, I think we'll on the year anniversary, on. <laughs> yeah, we, we watched the trailer again and, and hear your kind of jaded hype for a year year removed. Oh, man, I'm down, for sure. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I guess the last thing of note before we dive into our um, top 10 is that we also got new artwork in 2020, finally. Mm-hmm. Probably one of the biggest, like, positives of this year is that we finally got that done, something that we've yeah. wanted to do for a very long time. Um, I'm so thrilled with how it turned out as well. And, yeah, uh, yeah it was a great step for the podcast, for sure. Um, so at least that was something to take from this year. Um, but, yeah, shall we, shall we just dive into the top 10? Let's do it. So this is our top 10 horror movies of 2020. So yeah, kicking the list off, I guess. I mean, where, shall, shall I shall I announce the first movie on the list? Oh no, we've got to do honourable yeah. mentions. Should, should I give some honourable mentions first? Yeah. yeah. Go for um, it. So I got think a movie. Memory. Yeah, I mean, we've we've got three on there honourable mentions. I think kind of all, all three were real narrow misses, really. I think, mm-hmm. and um, the first one is a shocker for me that we saw very recently, uh, which which was freaky. Mm. Um, I cannot believe that kind of you know after the trepidation i had going into this movie that it almost made the top 10 for the year yeah um you know it it was you know such an enjoyable concept to realization just like happy death day um you know it's kind of it's probably due to the fact that we've seen happy death day and how good that movie was that this movie probably falls a little bit below where where it would probably be if it was a brand new thing and we hadn't seen anything like it Mm. Um, but it's still very different to Happy Death Day. It, it has its concept and it absolutely delivers on it. Yeah, I completely agree. I loved Freaky and I had such a fun time watching it. Mm. I think in terms of putting it on the list, I think had they gone a bit more horror with it, it mm-hmm. would have been uh, an easier um, yeah. choice for this top 10. Um, as we discussed, like when they went horror and obviously making this an R rating compared to Happy Death Day was a great choice in terms of the yeah. actual kills we got. But it was just so infrequent and especially mm. that all those moments were in the trailer is is slightly disappointing. Yeah. Um, but the movie itself is a blast and it's so goddamn funny. I think it was probably the most I just straight up laughed at a movie that we covered mm-hmm. for the show this year um so it was yeah so entertaining um and then yeah another honorable mention um was kind of one of the ones that we saw uh, in the summer um a shudder movie which kind of came mm-hmm. out of nowhere really um mm. And we just had a blast with it, which was Scare Package. Um, and obviously it takes a lot of boxes for us, the kind of anthology stuff we're into, um, that kind of like throwback take on the kind of VHS era of horror, as it were. I mean, this obviously, the whole film is set in like a video store, right? And mm-hmm. that's such a great idea for a wraparound for a horror anthology. Um, you know, and, and like most anthologies, you know, it's it has its highs and its lows. There's a couple of segments that are 
not brilliant but then like the highs are so strong like that yeah. that kind of their take on like friday the 13th and their like splatter gore segment was just so funny and so awesome oh, um goodness, yeah. and i really liked the finale as well and how it came together so yeah and that's one of those movies yeah. that has really gone under the radar i think as well um yeah i remember the but, first segment just really set the tone for that movie which mm. is so funny so over the top and outrageous and just kind of like i remember kind of you know we had this movie ready for the podcast and kind of I wasn't overly hyped for it and we're just kind of, you know, I think it was more of the circumstance that there wasn't a lot to watch and, you know, mm. this, this kick dropped and I was so, like, the second I watched that first segment, I was like, oh, hang on, this needs my attention. This needs my full attention. Like, this this, this is decent and, yeah, it was a, it was a real kind of, you know, really good anthology movie in the end. Mm. Um, and, yeah, the final one is a uh, little Fright Fest movie. Yes. Um that we saw um he only makes good movies uh david arquette <laughs> um in 12 hour shift mm. um and uh yeah i mean this pretty much salvaged hope of fright fest for me this was deep into day one of fright fest where we had seen kind of back to back to back kind of movies that really were not uh my cup of tea i really wasn't feeling it and really thought oh my god how are we going to sit through 13 movies when they're all going to be to this level and this was just a really good time it was a really fun concept it was a funny movie there's a lot of funny movies this year mm. you know but it also had it you know um i think i think with this one it had its horror elements but again similar to freaky i probably enjoyed it more for its comedy as opposed to its horror Mm. um and if it had have had more of those horror elements in i could have seen it could have seen it making the top 10 yeah for sure like i think this is a british production as well i'm not entirely sure but it was obviously yeah we saw it at fright fest it's worth noting as well that i believe it is out in jan properly um because i did some tweets recently um at least in uk distribution so yeah look for this one in sort of around the end of january i think Mm -hmm. um yeah i had a blast with it it is really funny but it also is it has this like dark heart and dark level Mm -hmm. of humor that i appreciate you know it's about this kind of like people that work in this hospital in the arts center nowhere and they're doing very shady shit to kind of pay the bills because they're obviously not getting paid anything to work at this place and you know i just love that concept of like oh you got these people and and you clearly got into medicine because you want to help people but then also you know if you can steal some organs every now and again to pay for your bills a bit quicker why not hey and i I love that element of it and yeah just kidney right yeah it was one of those movies like those classic kind of british um almost like those early guy Ritchie movies where it's just like has a bunch of fools to get into this crazy situation and we're just going to keep adding levels and levels on top of it of like mm-hmm. okay now there's this element now there's this character we've got to avoid and it's all set within pretty much within this one hospital which i thought did such a great job of like anchoring the movie um because yeah, it sure. must have been like a, re- a, re- a real hospital because it was such a cool like set location for the film um, i just feel like there's so many of these like abandoned sort of hospitals mm-hmm. now that you can get your hands on you can really have a good um uh you know backdrop to to these movies these days relatively cost effective yeah for sure um but yeah it was an absolute great movie that i'd highly recommend um but yeah kicking off the list proper i guess um and Mm. starting with a very contentious one for the podcast in fact um (laughs) which is pretty funny that this is starting off the list um you guys will remember of course if you listen to the show on this film um how contentious it was for the two of us um and it is the devil all the time 
um, which of course was the kind of Netflix original movie that dropped uh, a few months back. And yeah, we had very different opinions for this one on the podcast. Um, mm -hmm. I was a big fan of this one. You not so much. Um, this, you know, this was one that I'm sure the, the, the previous honorable mentions are all movies that you enjoyed quite a bit more than this one. Um, yeah, for, sh for sure. I think, but I, I don't, I don't hate this movie. Like mm. I, I respected a lot of it. It just was too long in the tooth for me. Yeah, and I get that fully. Like, I don't think this is the type of movie that I would maybe ever rewatch um, for that reason. But I think in the moment, I was having such a good time with it. Um, yeah, I just, I had, it really caught me off guard, this one. Like, obviously, the cast announcement was what really, like, pulled me in. Um, mm. I think you know, having, like, Bill Skarsgård, Tom Holland, Robert Pattinson, Sebastian Stan, like, all these people in this movie that was somewhat genre-related, yeah. I was like, oh, man, I'm so into this. Um, and, yeah, like, I... I definitely agree that it, it was quite long. And, you know, if you're not into the type of stuff that they were like discussing the themes, it, it's not something that would work for everyone, but yeah, it works for me. I thought the, the kind of intro was very impactful um, with Bill Scott and his character. Um, mm -hmm. And I loved how much that set up Tom Holland's character and seeing him like trying to not make the same mistakes his father did when he was an adult um, and kind of like the culmination of that story. I just really, this was a really cool film for me. I um, think, I, th I think yeah. um, for me, the as we were doing the top 10 list and we were going through the movies we watched this year there are so many titles of movies that we discussed that i could not tell you what that movie was about categorically mm. i could tell you about multiple characters in this movie mm. uh, multiple things that happened start middle and end of this entire movie uh which is a big moment for me for like <laughs> for these sorts of you know for some of these movies and i think yeah. kind of you know that is why like ultimately at the time I just, you know, I've said it a lot this year, but I've been in a mood for for a very specific, fun ride. Mm. I don't really want difficult movies this year. And um, I think that's why this one hit me more negatively, because it was in a time where I just really wanted to be watching, you know, something more like Freaky and 12 Hour Shift and that sort of thing. But I still think kind of when we get to the year end, like I say, the fact that there are so many parts of this movie that are still in my mind um, shows that, you know, it really did have weight behind it. And, and that cast is so stellar. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Like it is, it's such a difficult watch at times because it's so sad and mm. it is a very dark outlook just on life in general. And these characters kind of, it's, it's a very hopelessness movie, really. Yeah, the um, message behind it is life is kind of shitty and yeah. it'll hit you in the face um, <laughs> when you think it, we couldn't get any shittier. And I kind yeah. of thought, you know, like I say, in the middle of 2020, I was like, kind of, kind of would like, you know, just something a bit happier. <laughs> yeah, and I completely get that. I don't think that's what we said at the time. But yeah, I think judging it for what it was and what yeah. it, was, it was trying to achieve, that was why I was such a huge fan. It does remind me of, you know, it was obviously based upon a book, which I've not read, but it very much feels like a, something, a story you see more in books, I guess, shall we say. Like The Road, for example, it reminded me very much of, just this very hopelessness, yeah. you know, type that's, of media. That's um, a book and a film <laughs> right there. Yeah, it is for sure. Um, but yeah, I, I think this is a cool one, man. I think a lot of horror fans probably overlooked this because yeah, it's not massively horror but like there's some really dark stuff in this that i think is definitely worth checking out for horror fans um but yeah don't expect some fun breezy ride like expect a long movie that wants to like be heat you over the head with just how shit life could be at times you, know? <laughs> you have to be in the mood for that for sure for sure um, um and yeah i guess that's uh netflix's uh first appearance on the list as well it, it so, is indeed um what will it be the last four, four or five <laughs> netflix movies did you say 
I think it was four. Yeah, um, so yeah, already four going strong. Originals. Yeah, that's pretty um, crazy. And yeah, next on the list is our um, first appearance by the one and only Fright Fest. Yes, it keeps um, the streak going. Yeah, it keeps the streak <laughs> going. Every year it has been in our top ten some way, shape, or form. And yeah, mm-hmm. this, this movie is Dark Stories. Oh, um, so yeah, so this was a um anthology movie, uh French it, it was French, yep. wasn't it? Originated from France, yeah. Um uh and this was this the one that it's, it was it like a TV show yeah, it was. adapted into a movie, basically. Yeah, they edited it, was, it into a feature long film. Yeah, which is kinda gnarly and it added some different ones. Um but yeah, real strong anthology movie. I think kinda the biggest takeaways from this was the the overall wraparound was really exquisite and really fun. Kind of this um, kind of really creepy ventriloquist doll coming to life and basically held, holding kind of a woman captive and is kind of she is telling him all of these scary stories to keep him interested so he doesn't kind of attack her and her family at the house and kind of we cut away to all of these different segments and. Um, you know, there again, like in a year that I don't remember full movies, I remember multiple of these segments. You know, the, the art gallery segment I thought was absolutely fantastic. Mm. Kind of the UFO segment was a fun one. I think kind of um, there was the um, uh, oh Christ, I can't think of the there was a um, zombie coming back to life. Yeah, yeah, that was the one where I was trying to remember. Yeah, the zombie coming back because I was trying to think was he a zombie or was he like a vampire? But he was a zombie, wasn't he? And it was kind of yeah. like this self-aware zombie coming back mm-hmm. to life and kind of seeking revenge. And and yeah, just some like all of the segments were pretty enjoyable. Some were really good. I think there was one that was like set in a park with some kind of two joggers that was a bit of a miss, but was still kind of you know it wasn't a terrible segment. Um, and yeah, I just think it was an overall really strong anthology movie with a really strong wraparound and, um, yeah, is is really worth watching. I think kind of, um, you know, it's, it's a strange one because I don't know what sort of release this will have. No, same. it's, it's already got like a, it had a TV release kind of in France and I don't know whether it had elsewhere. And this, this kind of felt like it was specifically made for just like the, um, uh the 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 festival circuit and you yeah, kind of wonder is it, it is it to try it out is it to try to tout like more seasons it's really hard to to tell and it's a shame mm-hmm. because i think like it would be great to to for people to be able to watch this and so you know it's it's kind of part of the reason why it was almost it was a bit difficult to put it on the list because i think it is tough for people to watch but it was still just a fantastic watch for us this year and that's that's what this list is yeah i completely agree like there is one that uh you know uh, time has gone on now to the point that i would want to rewatch this and mm. yeah it's going to be interesting to see yeah. if it is available as a film release because i want to see the same version of the film that i saw at fright fest um mm. which was a great anthology movie i think it just ticked all those boxes of like has this immediate like what the great thing about the wraparound is that it immediately sets the tone of what the anthology is going to be and i think that's what i want from these and that's what scare package did well as well mm. um of like what is the tone going to be of this and yeah you get a woman telling stories to a ventriloquist doll so it doesn't kill her and you're like okay i get the toad now let's go for it and yeah all of them apart from the kind of jogger ghost story worked completely for me um yeah like the first one at the art gallery was just it had such a cool visual style to the monsters Mm -hmm. um and 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 a real simplistic one as well that yeah with the budget 
hundred percent. And then like, yeah, you get a bit of comedy with the, the kind of the zombie one coming to life. And then the alien one in particular has a lot of comedy mm. in it. Um, and then you get one, like the, the woman who kind of like, um, has like sleep paralysis and sees a demon at night. And that was like really scary and like genuinely yeah. going for the dark. I can't, I can't handle sleep paralysis, man. <laughs> yeah. Like, so I, said like, it, I said it on the podcast, but like that, that's just a subject that I'm like, it's too terrifying. Mm. It's too real. Yeah, combining those two things of like, oh, it's sleep paralysis and it's also like, oh, this recurring demon that comes and haunts you at night. It's just like, fuck that. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, the movie, the movie, the, the movie did such a good job with that segment of presenting that that feeling to us, I think. Um, so yeah, this is such a cool movie. It's it's really one of the weirdest picks, I think, for this entire top ten. You know, we're gonna be discussing some a lot bigger films and bigger releases later mm-hmm. on. And this is very niche. Like you say, it was a French horror genre TV show that then kind of got semi-edited into a film. You know, it was at Fright Fest, I'm sure some other festivals, but God knows if you can get your hands <laughs> on this. Um, but I really hope you can because it is really, really cool. And I think it's the type of thing that I love whilst doing this show is like if you're gonna watch um what was it 52 did i say or 53 new horror films this year you're gonna watch a lot of shite and we did (laughs) um especially at fire first um but to get gems like this that we just Mm -hmm. never would have watched otherwise is exactly the reason why we do it um and it's why it's why we do this podcast Uh, it's why Mm -hmm. we originally started doing this podcast um because you know we are always going to go see a new saw movie and a new Mm -hmm. scream movie at the cinema and like um you know that's fun for us to talk about and obviously but but the fact that like this podcast makes us actively seek out these things it made us discover you know fright fest and attend fright fest um, mm. you know, is kind of why why the show is so enjoyable for us because, you know, it is it is finding those gems and then being able to have a platform to actually say, hang on, like this movie's worth watching and you might not have ever heard of it. You know, like yeah. I say, you, you, you know, we, we've seen, you know, what's the, probably Invisible Man is probably our biggest movie we've seen this year for the podcast. Like most people yeah, who big listen to this podcast release, yeah. would have, you know, will, will have heard of that movie, you know, mm. whereas, you know, Dark Stories, you know, probably not the case yeah for sure um so yeah really happy to include that one mm-hmm. um next up is an interesting one because this was one that kind of was floating around the ether last year um mm. and just didn't you know like so many movies just didn't really get a proper release in this country in the uk um so this is one that people might have seen in other territories uh last year um mm-hmm. but for us we saw it very early on this year um and that is villains um of course this was one that i remember discussing in the news news god like two years ago um just because i was like hey there's a new film bill skarsgård's in it so we i, I want to watch it and <laughs> that was kind of where it I mean, stemmed find it's just on my definitive uh, <laughs> upcoming movies list is where you of, find out about yeah, it of course of course um but uh and yeah like finally getting to check out this movie and hearing good things um i think i was unprepared for how much i was going to enjoy this um mm. because it seemed like people had fun with it but like i thought this movie was fantastic um mm-hmm. you know from the opening scene being introduced to this couple this kind of like modern day for, for me personally it does remind me of like natural one killers and i'm sure there's loads yeah. of different yeah yeah but like for yeah exactly but like i you know i grew up on natural one yeah killers, of course so like yeah. i always think of those two characters and yeah uh, and, and you know these two aren't as psychotic as that by any means but just these two wild young couple that are going around and just trying to live their lives um outside of the law shall we say and mm. i really feel like even when the movie starts i was like man you could have like a prequel to this movie just to get to this moment that would be equally yeah. fun um or like a web series or something but yeah you get to mm. the moment it kind of immediately throws you in of like here's this mad couple they're just trying to survive and it's such a simple 
idea of like right what's the next step well we you know our car breaks down so we need a new car we need i think they need gas don't they for the car yeah um, so they're like oh here's a rich house that looks like it's on its own and they break into the house and i think to go from you know that's the premise of the movie and then like it goes to so many different layers and the kind of main dynamic we get between these two different couples mm. um and their two levels of craziness on completely different levels in terms of like the age generational gap was just such a cool kind of juxtaposition for the whole film um and yeah like the performances from all four of our leads were stunning absolutely stunning mm. of course going in we were absolutely huge fans of bill and i love to see more of him and this was like a different role again like you know talking about devil all the time um and, and now this like we're starting to see how he isn't just an amazing actor because he can do so well, many different roles think, so well you know this is his second appearance in the top 10 this you know for us this year it's yeah. his fourth appearance in the top 10 overall you know he was in our mm -hmm. number one horror movie as an absolute villain just and, in the last and, three years alone <laughs> yeah you know and um he has pretty much played the same character you know he's always played this villain kind of character and because he's got this real you know side to him that he can mm -hmm. put on screen and this was the, the exact opposite mm. where he was just this incredibly charming incredibly likable character um one of the most likable characters that i've seen in a movie this year mm. and um obviously uh micah monroe we kind of saw in it follows that so that just predated the podcast right it did yeah yeah and um was a fantastic movie probably mm. my my movie of the year that year and yeah, her performance sure. in it was fantastic and like i haven't really seen her in anything since and, she was in um, uh, the guest as well. Ah, okay, yeah. Um, and um, and and yeah, like um, you know, they they were phenomenal as a duo. And then and then yeah, when we got the other couple kind of coming into play, like you say, the juxtaposition between the two, the kind of backwards and forwards, it was just a really really enjoyable ride. It really, it was, you know, throughout the year when we watch movies. Um, I, I tend to like in my mind kind of earmark them as like oh that's going to be a top 10 contender and mm -hmm. like you know this was one that early on we watched and i was like oh I, you know i can i can see this easily get into the top 10 and then yeah mm -hmm. it kind of stood there in my mind all year um, yeah which you know doesn't always happen you know because because you know it, it it's the natural beast that the kind of mm -hmm. the films you see more recently are more prevalent in your mind and it has to be something that really sticks with you Hundred percent, yeah. It's it's always been hard to to kind of mm. disconnect that recency bias with anything, mm. um, and so yeah, yeah. I, I think that's why when we do this list, and and obviously um, going into our best of awards later on, like the amount of due diligence I guess we have to do is insane because we try and treat these things so fairly. So it's like if you came out in January, we try and treat you the same as if you came out in December. Um, mm. And yeah, I think this is testament that a movie like this that we saw, it was one of the second or third films we saw this entire year. Um, and yeah, I completely agree with you that at no point did this like drop out of my top 10. Like I just loved it. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, and yeah, next on the list is um, yet another little Netflix movie. Can't believe it. <laughs> um, two of the four are in the top 10 already and we're only on number seven. That is crazy when you really think about it um because um, yeah like we don't see a huge amount of netflix originals because mm. they pump out so much content but now that i'm looking back on this i'm like we might have to make more of a effort to kind of watch their original stuff because clearly we're big fans of it yeah i know and they always make the top 10 i mean mm. uh you know spoiler alert i think this is the last appearance by netflix but still mm. it's kind of pretty solid and um 
yeah, this was the movie uh, The Platform, mm. um, which was another weird one that this just dropped on Netflix. Um, the first I heard about it was actually from like a non-horror friend that was yeah, just like, I'm... oh, I saw this movie on Netflix and I thought you'd kind of dig it. You're the horror guy, right? And like, then I kind of saw uh, saw the premise and was immediately like, we need to see this for the podcast. And I think we had something else planned, didn't we, that week? Yeah, well, this was um, this was a weird one because this was out for at least two to three weeks on Netflix yeah. before we got around to it. And yeah. I'd seen it on there and I was like, it looks weird. And then, yeah, it was like the number one movie for a little while. And I was with you where I had non, you know, hardcore horror fans talking about this film. And I was like, wait, this weird subtitled horror film on Netflix, you guys are all checking out. So, like, Netflix did a brilliant job with the release of this yeah. film because they got yeah. eyes on it, which is awesome sure. to see. Um, but, yeah, the actual movie is a real batshit crazy concept um which is yeah effectively kind of this prison that's hundreds and hundreds of layers and this lift kind of goes down each platform with food on and as and the 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 people can eat as much as they can and then it goes Mm -hmm. down to the platform lower and lower and lower so as it gets to kind of the bottom of the ladder there is almost no food left and um you know the the kind of super high level concept if you're on board for like that premise and kind of when when you first get into it then you're in for a great ride because they they really stretch the parameters of um the concept to to kind of the fullest really and i think kind of they they almost answer every question that i had in the movie which i think is impressive kind of like Mm. you know how do people mess with this what about if someone climbs up what about if someone sits on it what about if someone does this blah 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 and like someone takes a shit on all the food exactly what about (laughs) if you're on layer one and you're just like i'm gonna take a giant dump in the middle (laughs) of that pizza like when you're on level 256 does that pizza look tasty we know the answer to that question now um and, and yeah like it was it was just a bizarre wacky movie and and um I I thoroughly enjoyed this movie. Like, um, you know, I think uh, already at this list, like I'm I'm seeing, like I said, movies that straight away, like when I saw them, I, they were kind of earmarked for the top ten. Mm. And I think kind of, um, you know, I don't think we have so many movie around the fringes of our top ten this year. But I think already you can start to see that this is a pretty solid list of movies that we feel quite passionate about. Mm. which is which is positive and i and yeah like i say this this movie was was just thoroughly enjoyable from start to finish just so so crazy yeah it was a really cool film and i think it's great that we've already got kind of like two foreign language movies on here mm. um i think that's a cool thing of a year like this year with so many of the big heavy hitters that are the usual kind of big budget american releases being delayed um mm. it did open the door for the wider range of different countries and so obviously dark stories coming from france and so now the platform coming from spain mm. um it was a real cool thing and i think because did, did you watch this one dubbed uh, the platform yeah we both watched it differently didn't we on netflix um yeah so so i watched this one dubbed and you watched it with subtitles yeah and it's and that's such a cool thing that netflix do with these releases yeah. just to have that option there because yeah i know loads of people that did watch it two different ways um mm. but uh, I, I like tried both out and like mm. it was it was it, yeah it was so clever and really well done for you know to have to have that sort of content behind netflix like it's something that kind of I would like Netflix to explore more and especially mm. like being a big fan of Disney plus um, when you watch something on Disney plus now, like you do have the options for like some, some limited behind the scenes and like extra features. And like, I'd love mm. if Netflix started to do that. So you start to get that kind of Blu-ray package mm. on the streaming platforms. And I think kind of just these sort of options is great already. And yeah, if they can do more, it'd be even better. 
for sure um but yeah the, like i when i first heard the concept you know the, the whole idea of okay this food's going down and it's like you know the people at the top are the kind of like the high-end people and then there's like the lower classes down i was like okay it's it's a cool concept but you can kind of the the almost the politics of it and the message of it is like it feels very black and white going in mm. of like oh, okay this seems this is cool but it's very basic you know it's like oh yeah well of course the people that are on the high levels are going to get the best and then the people at the bottom are going to get the shit as mm. as is society and i kind of expected that just to be mm -hmm. this very blunt he uh, heavy-handed idea of the message and it was so mm. much more than that i think when yeah. you actually watch the film it's it's really complicated the issue and i think they really go into it super well of like okay well what would it be like if you were on this floor and now you were on this floor yeah. and how would you react to what, this what about mm. if you experience being a hundred levels down and then you're mm. on level one would you be um as forgiven or would you you know how would you react to that and yeah it just kind of it made you ask a lot of questions about yourself yeah which i think as was well really... as being thoroughly entertaining it was really cool because yeah it could have just been a very surface level like idea and we've seen yeah. that like in a lot of different things but i think this movie felt the need to go a little bit deeper and it felt like it wanted to go deeper and it didn't mm. just use that as okay this is the surface level politics politics of it and now we're going to try and make like a cool film it was like oh we are going to make a really cool film with like twists mm. and turns and characters that you're going to invest in but we're going to mix it up constantly and i liked that it never felt stagnant this movie like anytime i was like okay I'll, i kind of want the, the movie to move on from this sub point it did pretty much um and it didn't nail the the ending i remember um that was kind of like one of yeah, the I think, I think it was still overall like a thoroughly enjoyable experience i think that's why it's not higher on the list mm. i think being higher on the list it would have um if it had nailed the ending it could have jumped up a few more places yeah for sure um but yeah still an awesome movie um and then yeah next up number six kind of a huge release from this year and in, in you know it, it really kind of tim uh you know is so like it it really represents 2020 to me this film in terms of i don't think a movie like this could have ever had the impact mm. it did were it not for this crazy crazy year and it's cool to at least see a positive from it um and that is the movie host um mm. which obviously came to shudder and for like a good two to three weeks really just took over the zeitgeist of not just horror but of like pretty much the mainstream um in a way that i have really not seen a horror movie do in a very long time not probably since the Certainly. first movie certainly you know. not um a non-cinema horror no like yeah. ever right like i maybe i guess kind of the closest was probably haunting of hill house i'd say i was gonna know, say yeah like that like stranger things is like yeah. obviously and then when you're going into like tv and stuff like walking mm. dead obviously yeah. like but like for know. an actual movie mm. yeah i've not seen it yeah and it was it was awesome to see because it was one that we had kind of discussed in our news super early on from the second mm. this movie was was in inception it was like mm -hmm. oh these guys are making this um this wacky quarantine film and it's coming to shudder and obviously we've been um huge fans of shudder for a long time now so it was always something we were going to cover and kind of getting in there i think we got to see this one early as well and yeah. um seeing the movie being blown away by it being blown away blown away by the level of production they were able to achieve uh with the kind of restrictions that were in play because it really is such a time and a place movie of like how they were able to get this done i just thought it was so impressive um and to then see the kind of wider reaction to it and more people's like oh you gotta check out this film you're like we're all hanging out on zoom calls every day well like here's a movie about that that's a horror film you know yeah. that you can see right now you haven't got to wait six months or wait until 2021 when you don't give a shit about this stuff it's out right now um so they they just nailed everything from like you know the movie itself i think is a really cool movie but like the, i think mm. the reason why it's on 
on this list and the reason why it had its reaction was like it was such a time and a place like you have to give huge credit for the makers for getting this out for the runtime as well like off the top of my head this was like under an hour wasn't it around that time i think it, it was like, long yeah it was like it was either just over or just under an hour I feel um, like it was over an hour but but yeah around about the kind of 60 70 mark yeah yeah and like even that was a great choice of like if had they felt the need to force this as a 90 minute thing mm. i think that would have been a huge mistake um but yeah i think this is such a sick film i think it's one of the first ones on the list where the only and like seven minutes yeah which is so cool man um because mm. some people say oh that's a tv show if it's under an hour and it's like no these restrictions you're making them up in your own mind like this is a film and it's 50 seven minutes deal with it um but yeah i think the only reason why this is not higher and i think for a lot of people it will be higher and i totally agree with that is for me personally these lists are supposed to be kind of like are they're supposed to stand the test of time really of like what is the horror films of the year and that is why i love host and i'm happy to see it number six but i couldn't put it any higher because i think as more and more time goes on this movie becomes way less effective i think Um, i think this is one of the conversations of 2020 Mm. this is one of the horror movies of 2020 that sums up 2020 better than anything else on this list in terms Mm. of what we're living in right now however hopefully god i hope that if we watch this movie in five years time we'll feel very removed from it and i think Mm. what this movie is is um you know paranormal activity when paranormal activity came out it was it was fantastic it was fresh it was something we hadn't seen and it was terrifying and then for years we had clones and we had these movies that we categorically have been trashing on the podcast for years and kind of you know we get into the conjuring but we don't get into these things that often and i think kind of this on paper is another one of those movies but because it like you say it grabbed the zeitgeist in the moment and kind of while we were there, while we were still completely in lockdown, having I was having Zoom calls every day and kind of, you know, to still to then have a horror movie about this come out, I think is why this has a special place watching it in the time and in the moment. Um, mm. but, but yeah, ultimately, in four or five years time, does this stand out in comparison to other movies when we're not in hopefully a lockdown world? Um, you know, I don't think it will. No, because the context was everything with this movie. Because yeah. I, I think it was just, it was unbelievable to me that you were able to like finance, write, produce, film, edit, and then release a film it, during what was going on. This was under full kind of lockdown restrictions in the UK when this came out. Um, and that is unbelievable. And like now we're at a point where we'll get, kind of get to this more looking back on the year at the end of this list, but it's great to see actual big productions finishing, mm. like we've discussed in the news yeah. release recently. Yeah. And so, that is now hopefully the new norm uh, that we've figured that out but when host came out that shit wasn't a reality like we didn't know when the next big films were going to go into production at that time and so to see a new film come out it was just a joy like i just cherished it at the time Mm. where i was like oh this gives me hope for like the film industry going forward i mean i mean like i i jokingly said to you like there was a point in my mind where i was like this this really is the movie of 2020 like Mm. i i would love this to be our movie of the year because it kind of is in like a lot of senses in the way that this is this is what we've had to live this year and the fact that people managed to scramble and make a success of it like i am just so impressed with the cast and crew and everyone involved in this movie and i really mm-hmm. hope that this gives them the platform to do bigger and better things because oh, um we already know that's gonna happen <laughs> yeah because, but but you know they deserve it because they seize the goddamn moment i think mm. like um 
you know, this year is full of negativity and, like you say, delays after delays. The fact that all of these big movies that we didn't get to see that we were hyped for, all of these big productions that halted that meant that we're not going to see these movies for even longer. But the fact that there were people out there that seized the opportunity and and made a banging horror movie and, and that captured the imagination of people, um, I think, you know, really, really does deserve as much credit as we're given it and, and more. Mm. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it 100% deserves a you know, place on this list. Mm, for sure um and yeah i guess going into number five we're in the, we're in our big top five now um, yeah crazy and i think this is where things start to get really strong and mm-hmm. kind of um yeah th- this is so this is our first cinema release right um we're yeah, now, yeah. <laughs> so we're, we're now about to get into some cinema and this Which was one this in the cinema but we yeah. were lucky this was one that we got to see a very limited run in our non in our post kind of lockdown before re-lockdown and a yep. very limited window that we got <laughs> to see movies. And yeah, we got to see Spree, mm. um, which I think kind of um, like going into this movie, we kind of knew a little bit about it. But our main thing was that we were like, oh, it's Joe Kerry kind of. Steve from Stranger Things is in this kind of weird kind of quirky horror movie, this mm. weird indie looking horror movie. And then suddenly our local cinema was showing it for like a week <laughs> and, and we were like, hell to the year, we want to go to the cinema. Um, and I think like this is this is kind of a movie for me where. Um, uh, well, first and foremost, I'd like to say that uh, David Arquette doesn't make bad movies. <laughs> and he now makes two appearances on the list uh if anyone's counting and um wait two appearances <laughs> oh no hang on no he didn't did he he didn't quite yeah, he made the honorable mention bugger scream four is number one movie right <laughs> um so um yeah but david arquette anyway doesn't make bad movies and uh i mean i'm not gonna lie i'm i'm quite a way through this bottle of bullet right now but it's, it's going down well um but but yeah, I think with this movie, I, I would have loved to have kind of almost paused it after about a minute mm. and just like taken a breath and been like, hang on, I need to get comfortable. I need to kind of, you know, get get ready for this because this was a movie that I was 100% instantly engaged with from the second the opening credits rolled. It It really grabbed me from that point. And I think kind of there are movies that I'm hyped about and like um, that really do capture the imagination, but there are very few movies that capture me as quickly as this. I remember kind of like the opening scenes of something as crazy as like three from hell last year where like, I could not take my eyes off the screen. It it was, it was that sort of thing with this where I kind of like the opening scenes. I was just like, I am so into what you're doing right now. You are tapping into a unique area of kind of, um, pop culture that just hasn't been done in horror movies that should be done. And I, I'm just loving every second of it. And like, it's kind of these, um, short YouTube clips of, um, kind of our, our main character, Kurt Kinkle played by Joe, who is kind of like this wannabe YouTuber and him kind of doing all of these videos to just, you know, these really crappy videos that's just frantically trying to get likes and get kind of YouTube famous and kind of, you can start to see his spiral in these opening minutes and kind of him promising like of this big event. And like, I was just instantly engaged and fully on board. And then kind of um, the, the title of this movie is, is spree and spree is basically the name of the, the app in the, the movie, which is effectively Uber. Mm. Um, 
where where yeah kind of the Kurt character becomes this uber driver and is kind of um has kind of sinister motives and is trying to get youtube hits for his kind of recording of these spree car journeys and i i just thought it was um such an incredible concept just so incredible and and i think kind of um the 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 execution in that first hour was just amazing kind of uh joe's performance was uh just just really incredible and and really just shows that again like um we talked about bill earlier i think this is the same as joe the like um you know we all know miss steve we we all should love him as steve because he is incredible but i also kind of like thought to myself is that is that kind of what he is is he pigeonholed in that respect but like you know, this 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 movie shows that he's got so much more to him than that. And it was kind of like a real, you know, most of this movie is a camera on his face. And, like, that's a tough thing to do. And I think he, he did execute it extremely well. And I think kind of, um, you know, it, it, it for me was, you know, it, it thoroughly enjoyable until we got to, again, like the final segments. And I think kind of it was still a fun journey. And by the end of it, I still enjoyed the ride, but it wasn't quite where i wanted it to go it it took it took more of a lean on the the youtube and kind of like and view side of it as opposed to the spree app kind of stuff and and like um yeah it wasn't you know wasn't exactly where i wanted it to go and i think that's again why it kind of falls a little bit lower down the list but but still making the top five so you know still just a super strong movie Mm, i i absolutely loved spree so much this was like one of those movies that i knew would be so up our alley and is Mm. not up the kind of wider horror audiences alley in the slightest and (laughs) that's why i'm so proud of movies like this because and similar with like unfriended dark web Mm. a few years back of like i love that as this horror podcast goes on you know we talk a lot about the classics and we obviously have that huge nostalgia for the 80s like so many people but i think we're a lot more open-minded than a lot of horror movie fans are and that's Mm. not like a dig but it's just a matter of fact that i think a lot of people want certain movies and i think i the reason why i love stuff like spree is to me is like and, and even host piggybacks off that and some other stuff of like I want to see what 2020 horror looks like, you know, and that Mm. can look like so many different things. It can look like Midsummer, and it can look like us and it can look like it, but then it can also look like spree and unfriended dark web of these like weird technological events that like, you couldn't make this movie 10 years ago. You just couldn't. And I love that about it. Um, I think, I think a lot of, a lot of horror movies lean on the fact that, Oh, they've gone somewhere that doesn't have a cell phone signal or, um they are set in the 90s so mobile phones don't exist you know whereas like you know not a lot of movies don't embrace the tech and like i don't Mm. want that all the time but yeah when when things do and they feel really in the now i think that is super enjoyable yeah well i think it's so much harder to like write a new horror movie that's set Mm. right now you know i think there's a whole reason why we see so many different movies set during different periods because it's very hard to make a cool scary horror premise in 2020 and so Mm -hmm. i think that's why i want to lift up movies like this so much because yeah it's a whole culture that i've been fascinated with for so long i spend way too much time on (laughs) youtube and twitch and i think it's it's a real fascinating place like especially with something like that i'm not hugely familiar with but what from what i understand of it it's kind of like 
the, these levels of these video platforms are insane. Like you have the this world of celebrity and fame in the palm of your hand that you've there's yeah. never been able to access to people and especially very young people um yeah. you know tiktok especially is for like you know 12 year olds to like it, it's so so young and mm -hmm. i think that is a really scary thought to me um and because it's not something that i had when i was that age and mm -hmm. i think that is why i love that as like a horror premise of like <clears throat> it is really fucking scary of like mm -hmm. what will kids straight up kids um go through these days to become famous on the internet yeah, um, with that fame or to strive and try and get that fame like yeah. both are as, as scary as each other and i think kind of um you know like like you said there, there's only gonna you know in in 10 20 years time we might look back and be like my god like we were seeing movies like spree before the youtube killer and the, hmm. the uber well, killer was a real life thing well, that's because, the thing. Like, there yeah. is a lot of darkness in these areas mm. that I think kind of gets glossed over in the mainstream because they mm. think of, you know, they think of YouTube as happy, glory, oh, I'm playing Minecraft today, and it's this very yeah. child-friendly thing. But like, there is a lot of darkness on YouTube and Twitch and TikTok. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, there is a lot of there is a lot of teen suicides on there, and there's a lot of dark shit. And I think that mm. um, it is a real. This movie is just so good because I think it fully understands that world, yeah. and it was like, right, how do we? portray this correctly but also it is going to be the backdrop for this really fucked up character that's going to do a lot of fucked up things in our movie um yeah so i just loved it for all those reasons and then like, i completely agree with you kind of like joe just carries this film um you know i love everything about the way this movie was made kind of like mm -hmm. the use of screen at all times was so good but mm -hmm. i think yeah if you take away joe from this movie it would be very hard it would be a very big void to fill oh, um, sure. Because yeah, like we obviously love Steve, as you said, but to see to see him portray someone so different um, that has so many different layers, like I was completely blown away by it. And to be honest, I didn't know he had it in him. I really didn't. Um, and now no, I do. He, he, he's not, you know, someone like Bill. I kind of thought would maybe have something else in him, but you yeah, know, no, no disrespect to to, to Joe. Like because no. post this, like I'm an incredible fan of his all round, mm. but like. You know, I really, yeah, I didn't know that he had this this level of depth. And I think this movie just, you know, it 100% shows his performance. I think, like, um, I haven't seen that it's come out yet. Have you? Like, because um, well, I, I would... It came out digitally when we saw it. Yeah, I want, like, a nice Blu-ray, though. I always want a yeah. nice Blu-ray. Because, no, I cause, like, <laughs> I, I want to be able to, like, just pause this. Because mm -hmm. there are multiple times that you're getting, like, all these comments and stuff on the screen. Mm -hmm. And, like, I just want to read every single one because they were all fascinating. Um, the other thing that's worth noting as well in, with regarding joe and i remember seeing at the time was like i i really commend joe for taking this role because mm. i think when you are an actor like joe who's kind of like a heartthrob and is on a netflix show a very popular netflix show mm. it's you can just live off that shit forever you can yeah. just take roles that are he's playing steve in this thing he's mm. in another netflix film he's in another netflix yeah. show and you can just take Look that to the bank for the rest of your life if you wanted to yeah. so like i'm really happy that joe made this like weird indie fucked up horror film where he played a really kind of unlikable guy at times like i just well, really like like you that. just need to look at the poster of this movie mm. and like what that potentially does for his reputation as a heartthrob yeah definitely you know and you know like if you search his name now there's gonna be one of the big hits that comes up mm. potentially and you know it's it's kind of wild um yeah there's yeah. gonna be fans of his that look up this movie to want to see it that should not be watching this film <laughs> yeah you know and that's just the reality but like i'm glad that he doesn't care about that like he's an adult and he's a great actor yeah, and he's making and he great movies 
yeah, he wants the pick character up that, that motivates him. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, just I love this film, man. It, yeah. This was like the one of the ones where when I when I came out of the cinema, I was like, this shit's a contender, you know? Like this is really, really good, and mm-hmm. it shows the strength of this year. I think that the, the and even host as well. But the fact that this ended up at number five, like coming out of the cinema, I was like, this is a contender, man, for the year for sure. Um, mm-hmm. So it really shows the strength of this year. Um, yeah, I think I think going on, like, every one of these movies from Spree, or maybe even Host, like you say, was in the moment, I was like, wow, this is in the mix. Mm. You know, and, and, you know, we are starting to get some things that we do feel really strongly about. Yeah, for sure. Um, but, yeah, I guess moving into number four, um, this was one that, yeah, we were, we, 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 wanted, we wanted to see right at the start of the year. And, mm. you know, one of those ones that obviously got the big old delay, um, but this was somehow able to overcome that because, yeah, the second we saw it, it the delay just it was meaningless and we were absolutely floored by it. Um, we only covered it recently, in fact, and that is the movie Run um which yeah obviously we talked about on the show quite a bit really kind of like that the premise was such a cool concept but it was really that first trailer um obviously i remember hearing about the movie because it was kind of like from the director of searching um you know a movie that we absolutely loved which we were so sad that when we both watched it off the show we never really mm-hmm. gave it to do on the show sure. um and then like we were like right we're not going to make that same mistake again like we are going to see run for the show regardless of whether we think it's horrible and we or just not. couldn't goddamn see it yeah and, and like and it was it was a real sad one because it was one of those ones that just got delayed indefinitely you know it wasn't like with stuff like spiral that you can just put it out of your brain for a year it was like when are we going to see this film and those are almost like the worst ones right where they keep teasing you like i was i kept expecting that shadow drop for so mm. long um and it just didn't happen and i think when i'd actually got to the point of forgetting about it that's when it kind of like surfaced again i was like oh <laughs> hey here's this film it's coming out right now and i was like great i really want to see it um and yeah and then we saw it and yeah i was like this movie again you know we're probably saying a lot of the same things because this is just shows the quality at this point but like from the I think second- it shows what we like as well yeah you know, what we're into like from the second it it starts it just grabbed me i was like oh yeah this is that film that i was really excited for like straight away i was like man this is such a cool idea that i've not seen it explored you know yes there are some similarities to different horror films over the years but i've not seen that straight up concept of like here is this disabled um kid who has her one caregiver and her one person who has her entire life which is her her Mm. mom um you know what if that one person in the world that you trust isn't who they say they are and is not Mm. actually fully trustworthy? Like, man, like that concept alone still gets me right now. I I just think that is fascinating Um, because, yeah, there's so many times in films where it's like, oh, you might have two parents and then one of them is not that dodgy, so you can always fall back on the other one or like, you know, loads of different setups. But I think Mm -hmm. the idea of you are this person who is so physically and mentally dependent on another human being and then Mm -hmm. what if that human being isn't someone that you can fully trust like that is so goddamn scary um and that movie this movie run just gets that concept and digs into it completely of like right what is that concept why is that scary how can that be scary and it just every single one it goes through like this long list of what would you want to see within that film and executes it for me perfectly um Mm. i think i was on the edge of my seat the entire time i think we said at the time that this was like an anxiety simulator for me of just watching it and being like this is making me feel so uncomfortable and like my hands are sweating and i just want to i'm having a great time but my god is it like putting me through the ringer as i was watching it um 
And once again, like most so many of these movies, two incredible performances. I think kind of we know how amazing Sarah is. We've talked a lot about Sarah over the years. Um, obviously a mainstay on American Horror Story and different films, but the kind of is it was it Kira? Is that like the actress's name? Um, I believe it was Kira. Um, um I think it was Kira Allen. Um yeah, Kira off Allen. the top of my head. I hope yeah. that's right. Yeah, that's yeah. Right. Um she, you know, is like I think we looked up IMDb, and other than maybe a couple of short films, she's pretty much done nothing. Mm-hmm. And that is incredible for you to come in as a proper debutant and go toe to toe with like a world class actress for the entire mm-hmm. film. Like mm-hmm. I just think is absolutely incredible. And yeah, this is a movie that probably didn't get its full release it deserved, which is a real shame. But like, yeah. seek this movie out whenever you can. It's so goddamn cool. Yeah, definitely. I think I think for me, like one of the things as well was I was probably a little bit Sarah Paulson fr- fatigued because like we have seen her mm. a lot in American Horror Story and kind of um, I kind of just like um, almost took her for granted and kind of was just like, I don't know if I want to like keep seeing her in horror movies and then kind of seeing her in a role like this. I was like, no, like, you know, it's just because we've seen her a lot in American Horror Story. You know, all of those actors, we've seen a lot. Mm. Um but she truly is incredible. And I think kind of um, like, like you said, I think what this movie does instantly from the start is make the world believable. It kind of, um, I was trying to think, uh, is it Chloe Kira's character? Um, yeah. you, know, you fully believe the world that she is in. Um, and the, you know, she, she has her, her disability. She has her, um, brainwashing she has this overpowering from her mother but also you can see kind of sarah paulson's character side to the story and kind of her her motherly love that's in the opening Mm -hmm. scenes and her kind of um crippling kind of parental worry that her child is going to you know get in the outside world and get damaged by that outside world and she just wants to protect them and you can also understand that and i think kind of those two being so prevalent and strong in the opening scenes is what kind of makes this movie so strong throughout. And, and yeah, it was, was, was a, like you said, after that, just a thoroughly enjoyable kind of thrill ride where kind of um, in, in the review, I think kind of, I said to you that, you know, 45 minutes in, I kind of felt that this movie was at its end. Mm. Um, and it didn't outstay its welcome for 45 minutes. It just gave me like an adrenaline ride that kept going for most of that runtime um and yeah, it kept itself of, unpredictable in a way that was awesome yeah like 45 minutes in it got to where i thought this movie would be at its finale and then it gave me another 45 minutes of craziness and mm. so so yeah like i have to give hats off to that because i thought they were just going to play it slow and mm. then give us that payoff at half you know halfway through at the end um so yeah it was it was thoroughly enjoyable for sure um, um yeah so uh going into the top three we um we are back in the cinema. We um, are. <laughs> and, um, yeah, probably our biggest release of 2020 and kind of the biggest movie that we got to see. Yeah. Um, uh, a movie by the one and only Lee Winnell, who uh, in this top 10 list. Um, <laughs> uh, upgrade made number one, right? But it is the first time he's ever featured on one of these lists so uh he's worthy of our top 10 which is great to see it's on every year number one every year (laughs) um and yeah this is invisible man uh which yeah i think this this was a movie that i was pumped for but also like 
you know, you, you, we saw the trailer. Obviously, we know Lee Winnell only makes uh, best movies of the year. Um, but but kind of seeing the trailer, I was into it. But I was also thinking, like, The Invisible Man? Like, mm. why are you making The Invisible Man in 2020? And then, but this movie... That was perfect. Just leave it alone. Yeah, yeah like, job's, job's done. Kevin Bacon, job's done. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I think kind of, um, you know the the kind of again like it, as you as you said like we we talk about a lot of the same things for these movies but i think it's because it just shows what gets us in and i think kind of the thing about this was how this movie opened with kind of elizabeth moss's character and her kind of escape from the from the oh, boyfriend the opening scene is so perfect oh my god like i've never like i don't think i felt all tense or that tense all year it's the that's, most that cinema thing. experience was insane like i still yeah. remember like you could feel the like tension immediately yeah and and you don't have to show him being abusive you don't have to show her covered in bruises you just from her performance and from the tension you get it like and and that's what's so fantastic about it that this movie um you know it's not a short movie um and yet straight into it because you know we talk a lot about runtimes but this isn't a short movie, but this movie gets straight into it from, from, from this first second and to the last second, it earns its runtime. And I think kind of, um, you know, when we get into kind of the Invisible Man stuff and kind of the tropes that it goes with, I think it does all of the things you want it to do and all it plays all of those games you want it to do. And it has some truly terrifying moments. Kind of the, the moment in the attic is is really terrifying mm-hmm. um the the dinner scene if you know what the dinner scene is you, trust me you'll remember it mm-hmm. um and i think kind of those those moments um really really elevated it for me and kind of coming out of this i was like super pumped and again this was one where i was like this is the benchmark for me that this is the movie you've got to be mm-hmm. where i was just like this movie is an all-rounder there might be like certain moments and certain kind of, um, you know, movie might have a very impactful scene or a very, you know, whatever moment, but like this movie is stellar throughout. It is incredibly made. It is incredibly acted and it is just beautifully executed. And I think kind of, um, you know, uh, having kind of like with, with this movie and I think kind of, um, uh, you know, I have been able to see it again and kind of like it, it does hold up for multiple viewings. And I think mm-hmm. it is just like this really fun ride. I think this is also something that um, bled into the mainstream and continues to bleed into the mainstream. And I think kind of is another movie that really does um, just help show that horror is fantastic and can be fantastic for everyone. Like there are, you know, we get the, you know, the platform and stuff like that that we talk about that I probably wouldn't recommend to everyone. Mm. But like, this is the sort of movie that I would recommend to to a lot of friends who are just like, oh, you like horror movies? What have you seen this year? Like, this is the first one that comes to mind because I'm like, it's a great horror movie, but it's also just a great all round movie that, that, you know, I think most people should enjoy. Yeah, I completely agree with that because it it never goes kind of like too hardcore in any one direction Mm. where like it is, you know, it is a movie for the masses, but it still appeases people like us. And so I think that is why this was such an unequivocal success for everyone involved. Like it obviously came out, it did a really well at the box office for the few weeks that it had. And then that was kind of like the last film, you know, it was like, right, here's the hunt now coming up. And we were lucky to see that just Mm. before it came out cinemas. And then it was like, right, cinemas are dead. No one's making it. 
2020 you know like tenet good luck making any of your budget back so it was yeah. just like i i'm happy that this movie got the that moment to shine because it was one of those shining lights of horror mm -hmm. of the last years of like here is this weird concept this weird franchise that everyone knows who the invisible man is even if you've not seen those films but no one really wants to see a movie about it in 2020 <laughs> well it's like how, how on earth do you make that entertaining or good in any way and i think that is the brilliance of lee here is that he just kind of like when right i'm just gonna crack this motherfucker open and just create a completely original story that is also in the invisible man and i think that was what was so effective of like no one saw that shit coming no one saw him able to make such a socially relevant movie in 2020 that was about the invisible man like that is it, he he almost did something that like on paper is just impossible to do um and especially these these universal monsters, I guess, kind of like they have tried so hard to make. Yeah, these... we've seen some very big flops with some well, big yeah. old budgets. And it's like they've tried so hard with these films of like the werewolf and the mummy and Frankenstein, like or Dracula. And it's like these are characters that are some of the most famous ever within horror. But it is so hard to make them good right now. And I think that was what was so great with this. And obviously, piggybacking off of that, like a shit ton of projects got greenlit. And mm. God knows what they're going to turn out like. <laughs> I don't think they're going to have, you know, the same quality and love that, that Lee put into this project. But, but for now, we got a hell of a movie. Like you said, i thought this was so tense i think that elizabeth moss was completely irreplaceable in this lead role um i genuinely can't think of anyone else that would have done the same job no. as her um and i think i've been such a huge fan of hers for years especially in the handmaid's tale and i was thrilled when she got announced to be in jordan peele's us and then obviously we saw the movie she wasn't in it that much so we didn't really get to talk about her um and that was a shame but obviously luckily with that movie there was still plenty to, of other things to talk about um so to then be like oh she's in another horror movie that's relevant for us and she's the lead um really really excited me and my god did she over deliver like from like you say that first scene the opening sequence throughout the entire movie really i just believed every second of of what the trauma yeah. that she was going through um and yeah it had really cool moments i think there was a lot of kind of like the lee Wanell um i guess trademark at this point like especially a lot of like the fighting stuff with the invisible man um and i just love seeing kind of like the journey he's gone on as a director in the last few years where i think that he really has you know blossomed now into like a really world-class horror director and i cannot wait to see more from him at this point um yeah oh, just great a, too, baby <laughs> well, we've got that tv show to look forward to which god knows if he's gonna be involved in that or not um but yeah like because he was obviously you know he's been in some stuff you know like the insidious movies aren't our cup of tea and we've seen mm. him do some acting that maybe isn't his forte either but i think now he is fully kind of gone out of the shadow of james one and, mm. and it's his own man and i think that's exciting because now there's two of them now we get to look forward to james's movies and lee's as well which is great for us so um but yeah kind of moving on i guess number two um that sadly the one there, there always has to be one that sadly misses out um it's always sucks like especially last year i always think back to poor old midsummer like mm. one of my all-time favorite movies wasn't oh number God. one Mine too um, we we saw two of the best movies of the decade last year and it hurts like yep, can we give can we give midsummer movie of the year this year yeah like two two of my favorite movies yeah ever came out yeah. last year and yeah. so it sucks but uh and yeah this year like this movie um is absolutely insane and it is the one and only saint maud um you heard which, us correctly 
yeah we'll we'll try and i guess not do too spoilery and this is going to get very difficult because obviously we know that this only <laughs> limited release in the uk um mm. so our friends in the states we know haven't seen this yet um and yeah we'll have to give another spoiler warning later on when we get to <laughs> our boards um but yeah. for now I, I mean, we said it, I think we said it at the time and kind of as more time has gone on, but this is the best British film we've covered for the show. Um, yeah. it, it is just stunning, completely stunning what, what Rose, um, the director, was able to achieve as a debutant in terms of writing mm-hmm. and directing. Um, I think like you know it's an indie horror movie that just everything about the way this is crafted like one thing that always still stands out to me now is the setting of this movie and i think Mm -hmm. like again we talked about that how perfectly it was the backdrop to this really sad and lonely character and i think that that was why i was so happy that this was a british film because i've not seen that portrayal in a film before especially not in a horror film of like yeah sad lonely character and they're just in nowhere seaside town uk you know where like where time literally stands still that's what it feels like and you know we've been to places like that and that's exactly what it feels like um and so like that was the perfect backdrop for this tragic character story and kind of like going on that journey with her was was an absolute ride where i can still feel the emotions i felt when i watched that movie um i think i said on the news a few weeks ago how we know the blu-ray is coming in february and i cannot mm, wait can't wait for me it's day one by gonna rewatch it gonna watch the commentary and all that stuff because yeah just uh, uh, an incredible original story you know very basic but that's all you need because it's all about the characters i think maud is one of if not the most interesting character we saw in a film this year mm-hmm. um and her journey from kind of frame one to the to the finale the unbelievable glorious finale which is one of the most kind of breathtaking finales to a horror film i've ever seen definitely up there with midsummer i was gonna um, say this movie has so many parallels to yeah. midsummer it really does yeah you can see why like a24 have obviously picked it up outside the uk um mm. But yeah, I, I cannot wait for more people to see this because this is a movie that deserves to be talked about in a huge way. It kind of came out. It was weird that it was almost like the October movie for us in a weird way. Um, and so it was cool that it got some traction, but this didn't get anywhere near the level of tension that it should have done. You know, you talk about stuff like Midsummer that got the credit it deserved, which is awesome to see. And I really wanted that to happen to St. Maud. So I hope that next year it will maybe get that second launch that it deserves and people mm. start to discover it because this movie is a bonafide 10 out of 10 classic movie yeah like like you say this is one of the this is the best horror movie we've seen uh british horror movie we've seen for the podcast full Mm. stop in the five years and i think kind of um yeah it's it's up there with the greats of british horror and i think kind of um as you said kind of there are so many movies and i don't i don't discredit it because they're super interesting but but go to kind of middle of nowhere america Mm. and like i feel like i've never been to middle of nowhere america but i feel like i know it very well from like how many times it's been portrayed in horror yeah like the deep um, south sort of aspect exactly. like the chainsaw massacre. yeah you know we've seen it so much but like you know we've never been there we've never experienced it mm. we know what these places are you know this is this is you know part of like our culture and what we've seen <laughs> and kind of been there and kind of having that as a horror movie setting and just as a you know that it's not what the movie's about it's a complete backdrop to it mm. but like we understand what that kind of um you know unmoving just kind of stuck in time place can can be like and kind of like what it does to this character and and what it does to the characters around her as well because kind of like um it's not just um 
uh, Maud in this movie. It's kind of the the other lead, Amanda, and kind of her journey and her kind of, um, you know, uh, the way that she's kind of struggling with with an illness, and that's why Maud is coming into playing Karen for her, and kind of like how she is kind of gone away from the world that she was in because that world is always moving and kind of it's very fitting that she's picked a place that is stuck in time and not moving when and that's kind of what she wants to be as a character and I think it you know the more I think about this movie and I think the more I watch it it will be a a midsummer where I will get more and more from it I think there will be uh viewings that I will focus on Maud and there'll be viewings that I'll focus on Amanda and there'll be viewings that I just focus on the story and I think that's exactly what I've done with midsummer over my multiple viewings Mm -hmm. and I think this will do the same um I think kind of, um, you know, this this movie goes against a lot of what we we tend to not like because we we don't tend to kind of go for the slow burn movies that are these kind of you know two hour movies that take a long while to get going. Whereas this one really did deserve that. And then when you got to the kind of the, those final moments of the movie, are some of the most crazy things we've seen. Full stop for the horror podcast. Um, and and yeah the fact that like we had i had almost zero hype going into this because i think kind of when we were first like when we probably wouldn't have seen this movie if there'd have been the movies that were meant to come out well yeah that's like a lot of films this year right it's well, like yeah. <laughs> who knows what some of these movies would have done but yeah it kind of i mean definitely in october that's what i was saying like it was the big cinema release for october you know obviously not big because it didn't do crazy numbers but like this if you wanted to see a horror movie in october in the uk this year this was like the only film that you had available to you (laughs) um yeah and i think kind of like um even that aside and even like the fact that it's a british horror movie aside i think it does just just stand up as this real stellar performance and this 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 really kind of it's a story that you've not really had that often in, in mm. horror, but but is such like a, a difficult one. And it is like, like I said, it's such a difficult journey for out, but I think it's, um, you know, it's not this kind of glossy kind of, you know what you're getting in, you know, like we talked about kind of freaky as kind of honorable mention. And like, it's just this fun kind of glossy thing that you know what you're going to get. Like this is a super dark story from start to finish. And, you know, you have to be in the right mood to watch it for sure. Yeah, we said at the time, like, the only two movies that are really like this as, like, a lonely character study is Joker and Taxi Driver. And both those movies, whilst they are similar in theme, are so different to what this is because they're these big, you know, Joker, big budget kind of superhero thing. But then also the performances of the two leads in those two movies Mm. is a very bombastic yeah yeah, like over the top portrayal of of this character whereas this is a young woman who is on her own in the uk who is trying to help people as the as a caregiver um and she's gone kind of through some trauma that we realize at the start of the movie but you're not entirely sure what that is um and then she has now recently found her faith in religion and Mm. so i I, and again that's something that is kind of the, the way religion crops up a lot in horror movies and kind of like what our take on it is you know we've discussed it time and time again especially for me like i'm sick and tired of the kind of the old school i guess mm-hmm. religious tropes the kind yeah, of like just like chuck a cross in at the end of the movie yeah the classic you know uh, demon. yeah i'm gonna read a you know a verse from the bible and all that stuff it's just it's so goddamn done at this point whereas this is like and and devil all the time had a little bit of this but saint maud was what this entire movie was about it was like no what is the human element what is a normal human being 
going to do when they have fully belief in faith. And I find that absolutely fascinating. And this was, mm. like I say, one of the best portrayals I've ever seen of that, of like, what is this lonely person going to do um, when their only thing left in their life is this faith and what they're going to choose to believe in and what they think they are there? What is what is their purpose in life? Um, it's just, it's so goddamn good, man. Like, I just want more people to see this film. For sure, for sure. It is not number um, one. <laughs> it is not number one. Strange after that conversation, but it is not number one. We saw another movie that, that pipped him to the post. Um, we did indeed. And yeah, we saw this movie uh, very early on in the year. Was it our, was it our first podcast? The first movie of yeah. 2020. <laughs> so our first movie of 2020 is our number one movie of 2020. Um, mm -hmm. And it is the one and only The Lighthouse. Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, th this was one that I think kind of, um, obviously, we asked for people's uh, movies of the year last year, mm. and kind of, um, it did come out in the States in 2019, and we were getting this as people's number one movie last year, um, which is obviously, given that the, the level of movie that was out there in last year was pretty incredible and got us pretty buzzed, and that's why we kind of saw it the second that we kind of were able to. Um Obviously, directed by Robert Eggers, who, um, again, was uh, a lot of people's horror movie of the year in The Witch. It's a movie that we've talked about a lot for the podcast, which kind of, at the time, we, we weren't super into. And as more time's gone on, like, I've seen that movie two or three times now, and I like it more and more every time. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, yeah, kind of... Um, his kind of next feature, along with the fact that it's got kind of two... Actors that we already knew were stellar, I think, going into this, kind of Robert Patterson and Willem Dafoe. But I think kind of seeing what they could bring to this is just, um, you know, it really it really makes me think they're two of the best guys out there. Mm. I think kind of Willem Dafoe, I think, is an actor. Because, like, I think Patterson is, he, he had his early fame, obviously, um, as a young actor. Yeah. I think he is now getting into his um serious yeah like you know he is obviously starring in the batman which is incredible and it's crazy and i cannot wait after the back of this movie to see that to see that movie mm -hmm. um but i think willem is, is is a guy that um has always been incredible he's always been in a ton of things that i've i've thoroughly enjoyed and um you know um it was the um he, he was in a couple of the uh, uh lars von trier movies yeah. um antichrist in particular and kind of that the put him on the map for me. And, and I really think that he is an actor that hasn't had the the kind of, um, you know, the, 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 the big kind of breaks that he deserves, really, um, because he, he truly is fantastic. And, and um, yeah, I really I really think both of them just in, in this movie, um, this movie, as we, we said about Spree early on, this movie does not work if these two aren't fantastic. Mm -hmm. And these two aren't fantastic they are magnificent and i think kind of that's what drives this movie where it is just this crazy character piece about isolation and what it does to two two men and kind of the 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 distrust the camaraderie the the absolute insanity that ensues and i think kind of um you know watching this movie that you know it is available to us to watch um um, it's on uh, like Sky and now TV now, so it's quite quite easy for us to watch. And like, so I've seen it again, and I think kind of 
watching multiple viewings of this movie, I still don't understand what the hell's going on, like, at times. <laughs> like, I'm like, what's real, what's not? Like, it, it and, and, like, most of the times for me, um, that doesn't work for a horror movie. I don't want that. I want to know the linear path. But I think for this, it, it truly does, because it is just this kind of crazy journey of, like, these two men kind of, like, you know... Uh, uh, path to insanity and I think mm. kind of when when you get to the kind of conclusion of this movie you really just feel like um I almost feel like it, it should just end with the fin- the the ending of inception like just this <laughs> kind of like spinning top the spinning because I just kind of feel like that's what this movie is where you're just like, be a what, seagull what endlessly flying away yeah yeah like on <laughs> loop like just going in and out of the frame and and because because yeah that's kind of what this movie was and like when you when you start to get into the other like parts of it i really think that um you know i haven't even like i think it just shows how um strong this movie is the fact that i've just spoken about it and i haven't even mentioned that it's black and white mm-hmm. because because it isn't you know it isn't one of the describing features of it for me. I think it, it definitely adds weight. There are certain moments in this this film because our characters go through hell. Uh, Robert Patterson just gets absolutely... He just gets the shit kicked out of him. Like, I almost feel like Robert Eggers doesn't like Robert Patterson <laughs> um, because he just tortured the guy throughout this entire movie. Um, you know, he was literally just throwing shit at him at points in this movie. And I think kind of... Um, I mean, Willem Dafoe didn't get off lightly either. <laughs> he didn't, he didn't. I think he's just the sadist as a filmmaker. <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. And, um, but yeah, like, they go through torture. And, like, there are scenes in this movie where I was just like, oh, I just, I just want it to stop raining. Like, I just want them to be dry. Like, I just want them to be able to, like, get a towel and be dry and comfortable because they're just, it's just so uncomfortable throughout this whole movie. It's just, it's just so wet. It's just so wet. Mm-hmm. Like just stop raining. Yeah. <laughs> it just stinks as well. There's just so many farts everywhere. <laughs> oh God. It's just so many farts. But, but yeah, but still it, movie of the year. Yeah. Like I've, I've obviously mentioned the show a lot, uh, this film a lot this year and I just adore everything about it. It, it is one of my all time favorite films at this point. I've, seen it at least six or seven times this year on blu-ray um and i just have a great time every single time i watch it like it's one of those films that i i can you know critically look at it and start to break down but it's almost at that hardcore henry level for me of just like it just makes me happy if that makes sense like Mm. just having it on seeing these characters seeing these visuals just puts me in that happy place um and those are the type of movies similar with like a lot of the rob zombie stuff for us that like it has that undescribable element to it that that is like Mm. more than the film itself it's just if this shit makes you really happy what is there anything else better in a film um and this movie does that for me um i think yeah kind of like the level of weight and anticipation for this one i really didn't think it would be worth it because it was one that i wanted to see from the second i heard about it i was like man these two actors oh it's black and white oh they're in a lighthouse oh that'd be great and then kind of you know the distribution problems was so frustrating where it was like oh, okay cool we've just had a great year anyway um in 2019 so it wasn't like oh you know if only we had this film mm-hmm. um but, but then it was also like okay right i can finally sit down and watch this movie and so i wasn't i wasn't ready for it and then when i finally watched it i was like this is everything i've ever wanted and more um i i think that the it is one of the best looking films i've ever seen like it was it was obviously nominated at the oscars for cinematography and didn't win and i just 
I love everything about this. The cinematographer that who Robert's had for his last two movies now, as well as for his upcoming The Northman, is just breathtaking, man. It, he is one of those people that, like, you really don't understand the kind of level of craft that these people do until you see it done this well. Um, and it just makes you realize that these guys are absolute geniuses. We talk a lot about directors and writers, but like a, a great cinematographer can just make a film. Um, and yeah, like what Robert is able to achieve with this wild kind of story that him and his brother came up with. And they were like, you know, is this going to work? Two guys that are going to sing and fight and, and do all hmm. these different things. And they're going to scream in tongues at each other. We can have an entire argument where they're just saying what at each other for two minutes straight. Like, you know there's so many things to this movie that should not have worked and like it was just this perfect storm that made this film work um yeah. and i don't know how they were able to do it i really don't i am still in awe of this film and it is just there was magic here from everyone involved and then yeah the actors themselves i mean my god what else is there to say about robert and willem at this point like they are absolutely the stunning and yeah the, the fact that they're both in this movie i do think somewhat almost detracts from it because if either of these performances were standalone in movies they would be some of the best you've ever seen and of course it's fantastic that you see him in the same film but then in your own mind you're kind of like competing where you're like well who's better and it's it's almost impossible to answer that question um because yeah like at the time earlier this year i, I thought willem was completely snubbed in, in the awards for this um it's worth noting as well because you were mentioning willem a minute ago about kind of how long he's been around um and hasn't really been given that big break and i completely agree with that um, um, he's been nominated for four Oscars, um, mm. ranging from the 80s until last year. Um, he was actually nominated in 2018 and 2019 um, for Best Actor. And um, so kind of recently, he has been nominated a lot. But yeah, he's never won the big one. Because um, obviously, no, I, even, I even think it's more just like the mainstream. Like, yeah. you know, um, Oscar movies aren't necessarily going to get in front of people to watch on the mainstream. Whereas like Robert Patterson has been in... You know, he, he got his break in Twilight. He was in a goddamn mm. Harry Potter movie and he is now Batman, you know. Yeah, um, but it's worth knowing, though, because I think with, like, someone yeah. like Leo, for example, and Brad Pitt, that was always part of their story until, obviously, they both recently won Oscars. But, like, before that, it was this thing of, like, how on earth of two of the greatest actors of our generation not won these awards? Mm. Um, and I completely agree with Willem as well. But, uh, yeah, like, and I think the soundtrack to this movie as well is another yeah. element that just adds to it, kind of, like, this droning lighthouse sound that then incorporates into the sound and it again it, it makes you go crazy along with robert's character and i completely agree with what you said of like there are parts of this movie that are just batshit crazy you know when it starts going like you know you don't know what what's reality anymore he starts seeing these visions of this like um mermaid that's washed up and and then like the storm comes so then the people that are supposed to rescue them don't arrive and then willem starts telling straight up lies to to um robert's character and i love how you are right there with robert's character of just like mm. what is going on like is is anything that comes out of this guy's mouth truth you know truthful at all um where are we going with this and and then you kind of have that enigma of like what is going on with this lighthouse you know with like mm -hmm. willem's character going up there at night and then what you, you become so aligned with robert which is what i love so much about this film where you're with him where you're like right i want you to survive I want to yeah. see the goddamn tower. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, I want you to survive. But before you go, please go up that tower because I want to see what the hell is up there. So, like, and again, it's just a simple concept, you know, of like what is in the light. Um, but they just do such a good job of every little thing about this movie. I absolutely adore. And yeah, it is one of those movies similar, like we've discussed with so many of these filmmakers now, of like 
the witch is uh, a, a movie that we enjoyed but didn't love and i still haven't rewatched it i have the blu-ray sitting on my desk right now that i bought about six months ago <laughs> that i still haven't rewatched. um but, it, but from this movie alone robert is up there for me now of like the best guys the best genre guys and i just can't believe we have so many of them like that is my favorite thing right now about the horror mm-hmm. genre is that even is the we just have we have Robert's next movie. We know that's coming. We have Jordan's next movie. We know that Ari's going to make new stuff. We have so many people so that are just they're just so fucking talented. And within any film, they would be like four of the best, you know, handful of guys making films today in any genre. And for some unknown reason, they all just want to make horror stuff, and that is a joy. We are so goddamn lucky, and that's something that we never could have foreseen when we started this podcast. No, no. Like, it, it was really all about like a renaissance. Yeah, it was all about finding those indie gems, and like we say, we were still seeing big releases like a It Follows that was a semi big release that we loved, and the Evil Dead remake and stuff like that. And then you know we we wanted to find the weird little niche stuff, the dark stories and movies like that that we just wouldn't have seen if we didn't have a podcast. But we've been so lucky that these like genuine auteurs of the horror genre have somehow seemingly came out of nowhere. Right? Like, where was this renaissance in like the two thousands? Like, it just didn't uh-huh. exist, did it? like we, we just, had eli like, roth we had rob zombie hmm. exactly like yeah we had, we had that yeah like oh yeah i guess 2004 kind of hostile era yeah like eli and then he just kind of like disappeared for a long time but yeah we never had a moment like this did we where there was like half a dozen of world-class like film directors that just wanted to make horror films like it's just incredible um and yeah like the lighthouse is an awesome movie i think one thing that's worth note as well is yeah you said this was like the first movie that we saw this year which i I just kind of love like the message that that says about this year <laughs> of like, yeah, we could have just watched one film and then just packed it in. <laughs> yeah. um, and it then it feels right for the year. And, and then also the fact that the top two movies, the lighthouse and St. Maud are mm. obviously not relevant for people in the States um, or yeah. I guess outside the UK. Cause yeah, you guys saw lighthouse last year and you haven't seen St. Maud. So I totally get where you're coming from of like, if you think this is a weaker year, because yeah, our two favorite movies of the year just aren't relevant to you guys, <laughs> um, which I think speaks volumes. But um, yeah, I mean, you know, looking back at this list now, I think definitely the top five is so strong. Mm-hmm. Um, I love all of those movies. And then definitely, yeah, the bottom five great films, but you know, of course, you know, the, yeah. the type of stuff we were looking forward to this year, it's very hard to imagine any of those films making a top 10. Um, yeah. I think it just shows play. though that like we've, we've gone through most of this list without dwelling on the fact that mm. we missed the movies that we were hoping for um, because we still got to see some real good stuff and, you know, um, it, it, it really surprised me that we managed to pump out the level of new movies and uh, podcasts that we did this year because, mm. you know, we had multiple specials. We spent five weeks where we had our special year ender and then a screen retrospective. And yet we still mm. saw the same number of movies. So I think it just shows that the the horror is still out there. It's just became it become a much more difficult task this year to find it and track it down. For sure. So yeah, like how how would you kind of judge this year? Then obviously it's a very difficult question that may yeah. take some uh you know explaining to answer. I mean, but kind of taking I mean, everything into account. The, take the films, take the TV, take you know the delays for what they were. Take everything into account. How would you judge this year? I mean, I pounded a lot of whiskey during this recording, <laughs> so it's helped. It's helped for that. But I think I think um you know ultimately I do take away the the disappointment uh, a lot. Um, yeah. because you know there there was so much that we were hyped for and i think kind of um going off the back of um 
you know, the first couple of years of the podcast were more uh, non-cinema focused, mm. but kind of with the um, Jordan Peele, Ari Aster, and kind of movies like It and, um, you know, uh, um, oh, I was thinking of Get Out, which I already mentioned, but these movies that were performing massively on box office level and, mm. and also were performing massively on our podcast um, was very exciting. And then when we were going into... Um, you know, all of these big movies, um, you know, it took me a lot to get over that. And I think, um, but, but ultimately when we sat down and did this list, I think kind of, it just shows, like I said, that the, the horror is, is still out there. And I think kind of, um, you know, it, it, it just becomes more of a difficult task and more of a gamble this year because we've, we've, we've had the lowest points I think mm. of the year, but we have had some super high points as well. Like you say, the, the, the top movies of this list would hang in, in any year they would make the list. Hmm. Um, you know, they wouldn't necessarily remain top of the list, but they would still be in the top 10 list any other year. Hmm. And I think, I think that that kind of shows that we did get there in the end. Yeah, I completely agree with that sentiment. It's like when I look at this list now, I'm very happy. I think we saw a lot of fantastic movies this year. I think um, trying to judge the year as a whole, yeah, it's the words that come to mind, definitely disappointing, definitely frustration. I think um, it was the year that will always be remembered for kind of the stuff that we didn't get rather than the stuff we did get. And I think that going into 2021, I'm very hopeful. I'm very optimistic because I think what has been proven over the last two months of the year is um a willingness from the film industry to move on mm. i think my my biggest frustration when i look back at this entire year was that i think we lost about six months um because the film industry did not know how to react to a pandemic yeah. and, and it's fair enough and again we're only judging this based upon the the, the film industry aspect of this shall we say um but i think the yeah, my frustration was that kind of like they didn't know how to react they didn't know how long this was going to last a lot of them just hit the pause button and mm -hmm. said okay you can see everything next year or it's delayed indefinitely and that was a shit strategy from everyone um mm -hmm. we we had to realize sooner that this was not going to go away like that and we had to adapt and i think what we're now seeing in the last two months especially with we look at the films that we covered towards the end of the year we discussed peninsula freaky run these were movies that we were already excited for um and did actually get to come out so i think and, no, and none of them we got to see at the cinema either so you know we're f the the production companies are finding ways to get these movies to people which is really exciting um movies are finding a way to continue um you know we're talking about production like you know northman finished filming uh five cream finished filming um sure. resident evil is going on right now i think that is exciting to me um because that was very fearful and so i think and then obviously the hbo max and uh max news as well was like a huge uh step in the right direction even mm -hmm. though it doesn't directly affect us it just gives me hope that we're not going to have a six months period again where if they say, right, it's really bad again, the deaths have gone up, it's going to be locked down and, and all movies are cancelled for six months. Like, I don't think that's going to happen next year. Um, I, you know, no. I could be wrong. I really hope I'm not wrong, but I'm hopeful that they figured this shit out now. Um, and especially like, I'm really excited to see the reaction to what happens with Wonder Woman, um, you know, coming out and, you know, it's out in the cinemas right now. I've already seen it. It's great. I highly recommend it for people that care about that. It's really uplifting, great film. Um, enjoyed it more than the original actually. Um, 
but I want to see the box office revenue in the States and in the HBO Max reception and be like, right, is that is that viable for these movies? Are we going to see horror movies released that way? Um, but I'm excited. I do think that we have now got to the point where I think they are starting to figure this shit out of like, we can't just hold all these movies forever. Yeah. Like, especially Warner Bros. They seem to have realized like, guys, we can't just keep these movies. <laughs> we have forever. 50 goddamn movies. We can't. Yeah. So that's exciting. And I hope that because like, yeah, that is the good thing for fans of content. And especially looking forward, like now kind of looking forward as that's part of the question as well to 2021. Like mm. I I am excited for a lot, especially TV, because TV seems like more of a banker. Um, because yeah. obviously not infected by it. And obviously we've discussed how much we've loved the Mandalorian over the mm. last few months. And that has been one of the biggest things that we've enjoyed this year and i think going into next year the amount of horror tv creep show american horror story and all that stuff but then like we're getting four different mcu tv shows in the first four months of the year like that's that's incredible again i know it's not amazingly irrelevant to the show but like that's awesome and so i think tv is going to fill that gap and that's going to be awesome um but i'm very hopeful as well that we can actually get this stuff like the way it's intended which is great at least I hope anyway. Are you hopeful? Like, do you do you foresee 2021 being similar to 2020 in terms of delays? Or do you think they finally figured it out now? I, I'm not with you on the level of optimism that they have figured this out because we haven't seen the big releases figure it out yet. Mm. And I think, um, you know, the the Quiet Place and the Candymans and, and those sorts of movies, if, if we get to a stage that American cinema hasn't recovered... I wonder is the is the distribution and, and system in place for that to work? You know, HBO Max is a massive step towards that, one hundred percent. But until we see kind of, you know, I don't know whether the, the the rewards or pitfalls of that will be prevalent early enough for other people to take that gamble. I think I think that's a very unique deal. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, so it it really depends. But it's just it's just that twenty twenty one could be. Um, just week after week, cinema, online, whatever, banging movie movies, but it but it is a lot for un, for the unknown. I think kind of like you said, the TV is the biggest thing because I think mm. um, this year has been really stellar for TV Definitely. and kind of um, you know obviously we talk about Mandalorian a lot, but you know we got to see um, Blind Manor, we got to see Creep Show, we we got to see all this stuff, and I think kind of. Um, you know the potential of a Stranger Things next year, mm. and 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 these other kind of horror IP that we've talked about every horror IP you've ever heard of. Yeah, child play. Show. <laughs> um, you know, it, it it it's possible that the TV could be really great, and I think kind of you know I'm I'm just I'm just looking forward to all of these. You know, there are just more movies than ever before that I mm. know are in the bag that I am 100% hyped for. It's it's not a hype train for a specific movie. It's just a yeah. hype train of, of movies coming out. For everything. <laughs> yeah. 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 All the trailers that we it's like almost like I can't yet get excited for what's beyond that because I want to get out of the way. Like we haven't seen Candyman, we haven't seen yeah. A Quiet Place, and then it's like a spiral, and then after that it's like oh yeah, and then Scream and like all these other weird stuff. Like yeah. <laughs> it's almost yeah. like that's the second stage after that, but we need to get to the first stage first. <laughs> yeah, like I feel like you know we've had a year of pause for that, mm. and we've managed to still have a really fun top ten, and then yeah. God knows what the next couple of years could bring if we mm. do actually get these movies out there. I think kind of the only thing that I'm a little bit sad about and worried about is what it actually means for cinema horror mm. going forwards, because obviously 
that's a huge kind of component of this show and it's something that we always strive for we will you know if there's a toss-up and if, if we have the option to go to the cinema we will always take that option it's kind yeah. of you know what our stick is and you kind of um you know i do wonder will will cinema as as it was recover from this and will we be able to go to local cinema a lot going forwards and that's mm. that's my biggest worry going into 2021 yeah i think that is a genuine concern as well because like you say it's it's so kind of up in the air right now and whilst it has been great in the last few weeks seeing stuff like freaky and peninsula and run it's it would have been a hell of a lot better seeing those on the big screen um but it's kind of like you know going forward i guess in the first few months of 2021 it's like if if something like a quiet place was available on demand Mm. how how would we feel about that like we would get to see it and it would be great but it wouldn't be the same would it no no definitely so it's yeah it's an interesting one um but yeah that was our top 10 horror movies of 2020 um we will take a short break and then we'll come back with some listener picks So, yeah, we did have a few uh, listener picks this year, of course, with it being a more weird year. Um, so, yeah, first up, we had one, uh, I believe, from Cody, um, who, yeah, says, um, they're super horror bros. Um, hope you're both doing well. Uh, my wife and I have been picking up extra hours as essential workers, and things have been pretty hectic in Illinois with COVID-19. Um, hope you're doing well, Cody, and your wife. Um, he says, however, I was a- able to enjoy a few great horror movies this year. Um, though Freaky was more comedy than horror, I thought it was well done, despite the trailer revealing some of the good bits um mm-hmm. host was also very good that movie surprised me with how excellent it was um other than that my wife and i've just been catching up on the mandalorian mm-hmm. uh, and i've been rewatching um american horror story um cheers and merry christmas um well i'm so glad that you mentioned that cody because that gives us reason to talk about the mandalorian <laughs> cody glad. put it up blame yeah. him not us. <laughs> no I'm, I'm really glad that like uh that was the biggest thing reading that comment that like um <laughs> seeing that seeing that the the horror community is getting love out of the mandalorian it's not just mm. us and and good that we're not just shouting into a vacuum about it because um <laughs> we're going to continue to regardless like, yeah i don't care not. at this point i really don't care <laughs> but but yeah um and, and yeah first of all like fair play cody and your wife like key workers getting out there putting in the extra time like uh you know anyone out there that's a key worker is a hero right now so fair play and can completely understand why you're not watching as much but also um you know great that like 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 we said freaky just missed out on our top 10 and mm. it's kind of awesome that there are these fun horror movies out there that people can just take this enjoyment and fun away and like i say for me personally that's what i've geared towards you know you might not want to watch the lighthouse every week like it is <laughs> you know I do. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes yeah, well, you're, you're a very you know, different type of human being. But I think kind of, you know, like Midsummer, you don't want to watch every week. And I think kind of... Um, every, every month for that one. Yeah, yeah. And, but I think kind of, you know, sometimes you just want a fun ride. And I think it's it's great that horror can still give us that. Yeah, for sure. Um, next up, we had one from Kat, who uh, in classic Kat form has given us a book recommendation. Um, because, yeah, we know she's a huge avid reader. Um, she did say um, also the Splatter Westerns by Death's Head Press mm-hmm. are absolutely worth recommending um, because they're so damned unique. But her actual top horror book of the year is 
is the the last ritual um by essay sidor um she did link us to our review as well which i won't go through because it's very long but i did read it earlier and it sounds really interesting this book um kind of this like classic lovecraft inspired fiction um set in the 20s um mm-hmm. she didn't want to go too much into spoilers which i very much appreciate um but it sounds really cool um as someone who always wants to read more but just never has the time to um i would love to put this on my list and kind of try and check it out but i just don't know if it's ever going to happen um but for if there's any other kind of book readers out there um this is definitely one to seek uh, the last ritual um how, how are you sort of with books these days because i know like about a year ago you were quite into your audio books is that something you're still into or um no not so much these days it's just it's just difficult to find the time for everything i yeah. think kind of um even in this lockdown world, you know, with, with TV and everything else and like mm. our our love bleeds into so many other genres and different things. And, and the fact that, yeah, if you read a book and, you know, play a video game, they can take a big old chunk of time up. And I think, yeah. kinda, you know, my preference is to do do the latter yeah for sure um but yeah thank you very much for, for that one cat and then yeah finally we did have one from joe as well um who says uh uh so this year i've watched a lot of horrors um but not that many 2020 horrors uh mainly because the ones i wanted to really see like saw wrong turn and halloween to name a few have been put back mm-hmm. um so worth yeah, mentioning wrong turn. i love yeah. it wrong turn was in the news or not in the news but it kind of came out after the fact where there has been like posters and like images of that has like finally come out for the first time um but still no release date so we might be seeing that one hopefully like early 2021 so fingers crossed um but uh, he said that being said my top three for 2020 are um number three the invisible man um that's the same as us right like, yeah <laughs> um number two the babysitter two which nice. uh yeah we did enjoy that one that was a very fun movie um and then number one the lighthouse um hey. which is great you really surprised me like i really didn't think that would be up your alley joe um because i know you're very much into the kind of the more gory stuff big rob zombie fan like we are um but yeah i'm really thrilled to see that you gave that one a go and you really enjoyed it um and yeah you said let's hope we get back to some normality and get decent horrors back soon um amen completely agree with that one oh, yeah. um but yeah i think we should go into our awards now um because there's a lot yeah. to get through so yeah every year kind of we give out these same eight awards um and yeah, it's always a one winner and two runners up um, in every category. And this just ranges everything as well, worth noting. This isn't just the top 10. Um, this isn't just film. This is like anything that we saw in the year, basically, that's relevant for the show. Um, and some of these categories were like, has a lot in them, right? Like some of these had like 20 or 30 mm. different nominees that it we was tough. somehow had to get down to three. Um, but where do you want to start with this one? Um, um there's a couple of weaker ones that i think kind of haven't lent themselves to too many options this year so maybe we should start with those <laughs> um, yeah i mean i think the weakest category is uh best sequel slash remake 100 um, <laughs> percent. this this so only had about five nominees in it all year it really did like <laughs> like at one point at one point uh i think i think tremors was on there just because it's a sequel tremors nearly made it <laughs> um and, and yeah i think kind of um i think traditionally like this is something that's been you know sequels and remakes uh you know there it's always been prevalent in horror and i think it it wants to be there but it just shows that this year you know it is moving away from it which i don't think is a bad thing no not at all um but yeah i guess kind of um, you could have an amazing year for horror and this category could be shite like (laughs) yeah um yeah i guess starting this one off would be uh uh, yeah the the babysitter killer queen Mm. um which uh a sequel to the babysitter which didn't 
make our top 10 list and nor did did killer queen but i think kind of both of the movies are um a really enjoyable comedy horror and i think kind of um you know the, the first one was a surprise it had a great cast and and really played out and then when they when i heard they were making a direct sequel i just kind of thought to myself no <laughs> like i don't need this like i really don't need this there's no need for it at all that movie is finished and i don't want to see any more of it and like they they managed to make a movie that was thoroughly enjoyable and did resurrect uh quite literally the the first movie in in many respects and did a really good fun job of that and i just had a really fun time and and like i said in a mo- in a year that i wanted fun times did this movie delivered on that mm, for sure um and yeah our other runner-up was the craft legacy um surprisingly which yeah i think was just like it, it did surprise me with how decent this movie was i i don't think it's an amazing movie by any stretch you know it wasn't in the running for the top 10 or anything but it was it was better than i expected especially from mm-hmm. that trailer um i especially liked the kind of new stuff that they added when they weren't just kind of like retreading what the original film was um and that's kind of where this movie has its biggest issues is like do we make it our own new thing or do we just basically make like a quasi remake of the original film? Um, because yeah, it doesn't stuff, know which one it's which one it is at times. Yeah, like the new stuff with like the the new male character they introduced and like the the themes around that were really good and really strong. Um, and then kind of like once that plot gets taken care of like the movie just doesn't know where to go and like the ending is just completely boring so it has its problems um and yeah it shows how weak this category is but it's i liked enough of the craft to to, to put it on here as like a runner-up uh, for sure but it was never going to win this award because there really was only one horse in this race wasn't there yeah there really was i mean um clearly from our top 10 list and um yeah, the second we looked at the five, there's just one movie that's going to win it this year, and that's The Invisible Man. Hmm. Um, you know, we've already spoken about it in the top ten, but just all round great movie, and by far the biggest cinema release we got to see, and 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 yeah, thoroughly deserving of winning this one for sure. For me, it was like a stunning example of a remake, and I almost put it up there mm. with Evil Dead one, where it's. Mm. well evil dead one's a weird one because we have so much love for the original and they took it in a different direction whereas i'm someone who doesn't know anything really about the original films um but i know that this was a really weird old concept that may have been cool to people like 80 years ago but is not necessarily relevant today and Mm -hmm. as we discussed in our thing of like right how do you make a good remake well you take something that's super goddamn old and and super not relevant now and make it ridiculously relevant in 2020 and like lee lee winnell did that absolutely perfectly so for me this is one of the better remakes i've ever seen for sure um and yeah that's why it's the winner he went out winning awards all the time that's why that's why um yeah i guess next next up we should probably go to best tv show um let's just get this one out of the way <laughs> do it because it's not going to be surprising to anyone but i think the, the first runner-up which i really want to talk about um because it was such an awesome surprise um was the twilight zone um we obviously did a show on it this year and i think f- for me the twilight zone season one was one of the things most that I've looked forward to in the last few years where like, I've always been drawn to it. I've watched some of the older stuff, but obviously it's super old. Um, but I've just thought, you know, you know, black mirror for the longest time was my favorite TV show. And so like, and obviously knowing that its roots were in the twilight zone, um, just was always a thing that I've been drawn to. And especially with the anthology stuff. And so like when it first got announced and it was Jordan presenting it, it just felt like this like dream announcement. 
and then especially, especially with that Jordan hype, I think yeah. that's what really took it to the next level. It was genuinely one of my most anticipated TV shows. And for season one to come and go and just be so meh, and like some of the sh- episodes were just flat out awful. And then to have a couple of ones that were like, oh, they were good, I guess. It was just, it was so far away from what it sh- the show should have been. And no one watched it. And it just felt like, man, this was a complete fuck up. You know, this was a revival that didn't work, that is going to can it. And <clears throat> The fact that they somehow got a season two was like a miracle in itself. But at that point, my hype was gone because I'd seen all of season one. Um, Mm. So I was like, well, we're going to watch it, you know, because whatever. And then we actually watched it and it was actually really good. You know, like, again, a couple episodes that were maybe decent. I think most of them are really good. And then like three or four of them are like stunningly well done. Like I still remember the kind of octopus one was really well. The kind of teeny town one was, was awesome. Um, the kind of uh, groundhog day one with a twist mm-hmm. where the guy's like trying to trick this woman into falling in love with him was like really dark and interesting. Um, there was just so many great stories, wasn't there? And this, this was so much better than it had any right to be. So I was so happy. I think, to I think the problem was, like you say, after season one, to me, um, it, it was dead, and, and, mm. I, and I also think, to me, um, if we weren't in 2020 that we were wanting to watch things, I don't know whether I would have seen this. Yeah, I think this would have been something that you'd have maybe watched, but I, I think I was done. Like, and it was just well, we've done that with there a lot of TV shows else. as well. Like, I didn't. Yeah. I, we don't watch Westworld anymore because it was shite yeah. when we stopped watching it. Like, yeah, <laughs> you know. And so I don't know whether I would have gone back for a season two. So they were lucky, you know that. that mm. You know that I did get my eyes on it, and and I think like, and I'm I'm glad I did because I would have been thoroughly disappointed because they, like you said, they were truly great episodes, and I think kind of, um, you know, it was the fact that there were truly great ones, but also just the consistency. You know, you think um, you had the kind of uh, alien kind of one that that wasn't necessarily my favorite, but was still just like a really fun, crazy, high level concept, mm. and I think kind of. Um, you know, episode. Uh, no, no, I, I thought you might be thinking that one. It was one with like the the daughter. That was, oh yeah, uh, yeah, that, that was kind of portrayed as an alien, and I think kind of like that was a, you know, but but all of them were just like good to great uh, to to really fantastic. Well, the sh- the opposed... one was so awesome as well, mm. as opposed to um, the last season that was poor, unwatchable to okay to half great. You know, and I think kind of like it really, it really was, you know, night and day different. Mm. Um, but yeah, um, coming in on this list as well is uh, Creep Show. Mm. Uh, so this year we got the animated special and the holiday special. Yes. Um, which were both fantastic. Obviously, last week we just reviewed the holiday special. It's now out for people to watch and um, you 100% should go see it. It's one of the best christmas horror things that i've seen Mm. um i still keep thinking about it and how just fun it was and how it really um you know just just feels like something that i'm going to want to watch at christmas um and then yeah the fact that we got these two animated uh halloween specials that were just um incredibly well done had some incredible talent in them and were just really fun stories and obviously like um Greg Nicotero being involved heavily in both of these, I think really helps and adds weight to it. And I think kind of, um, you know, the hype could not be higher for the next season of Creepshow on this, you know, for us right now. 
Yeah, for sure. I think I, I want to talk about the animated special because that really came out of nowhere and really mm. shocked me of how good it was because it wasn't anything I was ever expecting for Creepshow to do. Yeah, we're not anime um, people. We don't watch a lot of it. We want to, but we never, you know, we, we never, we've spoken about it this year that we just never really find time to seek it out. No, and so, like, this was so cool because it was already, like, a franchise that we're fans of, but then, like, it really took it in a different direction in terms of the the, the stories they were able to tell because mm. these were stories that would be so hard to film on the budget that Creepshow, unfortunately, has. And and then bringing in a guy like Kiefer to, you know, Kiefer Sutherland to do a full voiceover on an episode was 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 awesome. Like, I can still hear his voice doing that character in my head. Yeah. Um, and he has one of the best voices around. And I was so, going like, you don't really get much more of a recognisable voice than <laughs> Kiefer Sutherland either. No, it was just so cool. So it was that awesome thing of like, oh, okay, he's narrating this great Stephen King story that's just like a fantastic audiobook that you then have these really cool storybook visuals going on the screen as well. That is like a moving told comic book to me. Like I just, mm. I was blown away by that. I really thought it was awesome. And then yeah, the holiday special, like say we talked about it last week, it was awesome. Um, the kind of, you know, it is out now. So I guess we talk a little bit about it, but like being this kind of like werewolf thing was really cool and not what I was expecting in the slightest. Um, and like the comedy they do that with that, where there was like a, what was it like a were turtle? Turtles or something, turtoys. Um, yeah. Is that what it was? It was something weird in that Weird-toys. episode. Um, yeah. It was just awesome. Um, yeah, and like, yeah, they just nailed the comedy with that. So yeah, and it was, it was a weird one because creep. Sh- this wasn't even like a proper year for creep show. It was just like, oh, here's these no, two specials to here's keep you ready specials. for season two. Yeah, and it was still enough to get a place as on a runner-up list, which is awesome. Um, Considering it's a good, but year of course, there could only well. be one winner. For sure, there's yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, because there was. There was a lot of stuff that we liked, like Bly Manor, that just didn't yeah. make the cut this year. Um, but yeah, obviously there was only going to be one winner. It's The Mandalorian, obviously. Um, you know, we've talked about like fantasy stuff. I sh- should say that like Game of Thrones got a chat here or, here or there on the show. So I feel like Mandalorian's valid at this point. But um, like I was excited for this season, but like I liked season one a lot of Mandalorian, but it wasn't like, you know, blew me away by any stretch. I was like, oh, this is really cool. I like Star Wars. It's a really cool first step for Disney Plus. But for them to then do what they've done in season two, where every single week it was like, I could not wait for my Fridays for the last seven weeks. Um, it's become, and I think that's what yeah, has last, been so good with Disney, where it, sh- it shows that they've got the right decision. Mm. Yeah. It shows that they made the right decision because I think with the, with the whole Netflix model, everyone is so used to here's the new season, quickly binge watch it, or you'll get spoiled, sort of thing. Whereas I think, and yeah, I'm someone who hates being TV forced back. to watch something at a certain time slot. Mm. Yeah, so so I think like it's the best of both worlds. Where it's not like okay, you have to sit down at this certain time and watch it but it's like a day of the week you know it's like whatever that day may be oh i can't wait for you know it was friday so i cannot wait for every friday for whenever i can just sit down and watch the episode of mandalorian it just became this like routine that i absolutely loved and i really hope disney replicates that going forward with their other shows that i cannot wait for where it just becomes this like event view in each week and i think as well that is what i love about tv is that it does get a bit bogged down in like marathoning through shows and you kind of feel like okay i need to catch up i've got this Mm. huge amount to watch and it becomes almost like unfathomable like i think you know we've had feedback talking about tv shows before where they're so long a lot of them and especially if you get a little bit behind it can just become like 
really frustrating whereas the mandalorian is just half an hour every single week that just kind of like blows you away and it, and it never wastes that time in the moment um and yeah i've said before obviously on the show like for me this is my favorite piece of star wars content ever now like easily um yeah. season two of the mandalorian i think every single episode all eight episodes are like the lowest is a nine out of ten and then the rest are all like easily ten out of tens um the finale was incredibly special as well like it was super sad um i'm really really sad that we don't get this show for a year now but it was what a journey um and that moment in episode seven that we talked about as well it was just it was ridiculous wasn't it yeah like our personal moment in episode seven i think throughout this moment uh, throughout this season you have you have multiple moments you have um the return of boba fett (laughs) the return of boba fett boba fett actually being a relevant character outside Mm. of uh non non uh on-screen lore yeah you know and kind of um all of these things and and but but that coupled with at its heart this unique new star wars story that that is just fantastic um you have two of the best characters that the franchise has ever created um and i think kind of um like you said, I think kind of Netflix has kind of taught us and it it made me think that event TV is done. Mm. Like what TV is now is right. Blind Manor has dropped. We all need to binge it. We all have to talk about it. It comes out on Friday. We have to spend our entire weekend watching yeah. it. And then on Monday we talk about it. And yeah. Then, and then and that then conversation's Tuesday, done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think kind of like, I'm not, I'm not shitting on that, but like, um, uh, you know, we, we've talked a lot on the podcast about Lost and how that became like this episodic mm. where each week was a conversation about that specific episode. It wasn't that we were talking about, um, oh, you know, this season was all about blah, blah, blah. It was like, no, we're just unpicking this episode and there's enough in this episode to unpick and talk about every week. And I mm. think kind of that's what The Mandalorian is. It's a mini movie every week where you get a nice start, middle and end pretty much every episode that is just this whole conversation that i could not wait to talk to people about mm. um and, and yeah what why you know on a horror podcast it still has to be our number one tv show of the year because it, it was our you know saving grace for months of this year when we had nothing we had we didn't because we had man you know we weren't struggling because we had mandalorian yeah exactly like it wasn't just the best tv show for me it was like 2020 i'm like right what are the things i'm going to take for this as my all-time favorite things well it's the lighthouse and it's the mandalorian <laughs> like it's that is quite that simple um but uh yeah i guess moving on to um should we do best villain next that's a pretty interesting one do it yeah um so yeah where would you want to pick one of the runners up on this category 100 i know what i'm talking about here. <laughs> there's um there's only there's only one person that you need to talk about when you talk about uh villains and uh, we might as well you know pe- people that are like hang on guys it's time to stop talking about mandalorian <laughs> uh guess what there's a mandalorian villain in our top three and it's the one and only valen hess uh from mandalorian played by the one and only richard brake hell yeah uh what more do i need to say this is fully um, deserved as well this isn't even like a joke pick a joke. from us yeah like i um it's it's like because we had like, a list of villains here and, and and it was very much like right let's seriously look at who are the best villains this year and he just ended up on the list like fairly <laughs> and, I, and i think it was one of those things where like you know and again like we've talked about richard and his rise and kind of like us and watching him and things um you know uh, over the last couple of years of the podcast but he really has emerged as the horror icon of kind of the the last few years you know for me and the um 
he he truly like you know he had um it, very little time to establish himself and establish himself as a as a villain in in um uh Mandalorian and I also think that like he you know Star Wars isn't a, tr- a horror movie villain you know Darth Vader you know is this you know it's comic book villainy and it's kind of um cape and you know mask and everything else and i think kind of richard was not that he was richard you know he he was uh doomhead you know you know he he um was just this real despicable uh uh villain that you instantly you know you didn't even have to get into the backstory the second he started talking you you just knew that he was he was a bad guy and i think kind of like as that story unpacked and kind of as we got to get the the scene of him just kind of talking and and going into what his character was you just you know he he landed it on a level to which like you know not many people can having that Mm. limited amount of time but to be that much of a villain i think is you know just shows the level of a villain that he he can be and i just can't wait to see more of him in horror yeah for sure like this was like a match made in heaven because yeah we've seen a lot of those types of characters the classic kind of imperial officer in star wars like there's obviously loads ranging from the original trilogy all the way to the recent movies and like the fact that he was able to deliver this performance and um give you know kind of have that impact in such Mm. a short period of time was unbelievable because we have guys characters in the recent trilogy that are in all of the movies that leave nowhere near the level of impression that this character did and that is just speaking facts um at the end of the day like he he just brought it incredibly and like they must be thrilled that they did this because it it makes that moment in that episode you know when you think about the context that we're bringing in the context of why we loved the Mandalorian and that moment was just so impactful and it wouldn't have been the same were it not for Richard's performance. In and, that and scene. I think that episode was the most difficult episode of the series because mm. it was the transitional episode. Yeah. It was the, um, it was the calm before the storm episode. It yeah. was the, just before the finale. And this could have been a throwaway episode. And I think mm. kind of um, not, not just Richard's performance, but, but you know, the whole, the whole role and also the, the, you know, what they did made it a relevant episode and a great episode still. Yeah. For sure. It was just absolutely incredible and thoroughly deserved on this list. Um, the other runner up um, is The Invisible Man from The Invisible Man. Um, what? Which, again, we've we've gone, we've talked a lot about this movie. We haven't really talked about the villain, in fact, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. And I think that he plays such an integral role because obviously we see him in that opening scene and then obviously played by Oliver Jackson Cohen um, from, from Haunting of Hill House only at that time, uh, a character, he played a character in that show that we just thoroughly in loved, didn't we? And just felt yeah. so much kind of empathy towards, you know, his portrayal of Luke was one of the most heartbreaking I've seen in any yeah. show. He, and he made our kind of male performance list that year, I think, didn't he? Yeah. And he, he was like, he was, it was him and Victoria um, who played Nelly were like, they were the two standouts mm. of like, Oh my God, what are these guys going to do next? And yeah, hearing he was in this and him being the villain, I was like, I was so not ready to hate this guy in the mm-hmm. slightest because of how much I loved him in his previous film. And then, yeah, he just played this role perfectly. Um, and I think he 
showed i mean obviously like a lot of this character because talking about the villain is him and is this invisible entity and kind of like mm. the fucked up shit he's up to which i think is great and he and he play, plays that uh that villain so well and keeps kind of elizabeth moss's character just constantly terrified and like constantly not able to trust anyone around her because she never knows where he is and obviously that stems from like the character and the writing aspect um yeah. but then that that final kind of scenes when we actually see the face of the invisible man again um and the acting portrayal i think is so strong because he shows exactly kind of it it pulls that entire character together because when you first hear about it you think to yourself like a lot of people who are ignorant on the outside of this who maybe haven't experienced this stuff that this woman's going through is like the, the the biggest question you ask is why it's almost like why did you fall for this why are you in this situation and i think they do such a good job in such a short period of time of showing him as this really like charming calm gentleman that a woman would fall in love with and then but then you know it's kind of like all a front and he's just bullshitting you to get close to you because you know he's a scumbag and he wants to control you again um and so i think that's why they like again it stems from lee's writing um the incredible performance and then just like his overall level of villainy again like i didn't know anything about the invisible man other than hey it's a funny invisible guy who wears sunglasses and a top hat and yeah. they were able to yeah, portray like a re- face right yeah and then they were able to portray like a really in-depth like multi-layered villain in the invisible man which just blew me away yeah, well, I think I think as well. Like, um, it's it's the fact that um, he isn't prevalent in the movie, and I think it just shows that villainy isn't necessarily like Freddy Krueger on screen. I think it is the um, the the way the um, you know. I think Elizabeth makes him a stronger villain as well. Yeah, because the opening scenes, you know, he, he does nothing. He is asleep in a bed. But the way she portrays that fear and that mm. kind of um, damage that he's already done to her off screen, I think makes him such a strong villain. And I think kind of the performance of, you know, the characters around them can can make a villain more strong. You can have an extrovert who is just an instant kind of villain like that we've discussed with Richard. But you can have this, which, yeah, 100 percent when he's on screen um, in, in his, you know, non-invisible form he is he is a great performance but i think it is the the villainy that that's portrayed by the other characters around him that makes him in our number three this year Mm, for sure but who's Um, the winner but yeah uh number one which uh yeah like i i i i I wasn't expecting that from this movie but uh for us kind of the villain of the year was diane from run Mm. um you know um obviously like sarah paulson kind of like like we said you know we, we we've seen what she can do in a lot of different roles but um just the again like the concept the fact that this person who should be your biggest person you could trust you know your your primary carer your parent you know you know who, who else could you trust more in this world and the fact that she kind of um is this kind of villain and is this kind of despicable character and i think kind of um the the humanity that she portrayed and the the level of kind of um understanding that you have for her character early doors and then kind of the realization of what she actually is and kind of the 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 hate and the kind of more you start to really go against her just shows the level of kind of villainy in this one for her Mm. and 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 yeah like like i said it just kind of um yeah uh 
completely like an unconventional sense, but but completely blew us away. Yeah, I think for me, she she is because of the early stuff is why she was the best villain for me because mm. she you completely believe her. It's not you kind of see like the origin, I guess, of this character yeah. where it's like it's just a mother's love and and protection for her child, and then like over the course of many years and being this primary caregiver, how could that be pushed to the extreme to when you become the villain? And it's not even like an intentional thing. Like she wouldn't view herself as a villain. She probably doesn't want to be the villain in this story. Um, no. But she also ultimately is because of her actions um and her just going too far in the extremes and that's what i loved again this is a very kind of multifaceted characters there's a lot going on here. this isn't just this traditional like ha, 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 i'm gonna screw you over it's very much like no i want what's best for you in such a way that i'm not even gonna let you choose what you want to do for yourself um and yeah like it stemmed from the performance as well which was great um but just like the level that that character kind of goes on throughout the whole movie and the journey between that mother and daughter kind of from scene one until the finale i think is what really captivated me um and it, yeah if it wasn't for her as that villain it just wouldn't have made the movie so yeah it's completely deserved for me this one um but yeah kind of i guess moving on to best concept um which is always a very difficult one. I think this is one of the ones that I think we struggle with the most. Um, yeah, because it, it it blends a line of what is the definition of a concept more than anything. And I think it's kind of, you know, because it, it it's kind of almost original IP, mm. um, but not just tethered in that box. Like, you can make the the 10th Conjuring movie and come up with a crazy concept that makes it work yeah um, you know and and like a movie that didn't didn't make this list you know something like host is a very mm. you know well you know just completely saturated market and yet they came up with a really original concept that, that captured the zeitgeist of 2020 you know and it came close to making our top three because of that um so i think that's you know why we do struggle at times with it yeah it's kind of like a combination of all those things isn't it of like it's best premise but then it's also like it's not necessarily who executed their idea the best either no. but it but it can help of course but it's kind of like what is something that just is really original and really drew us into a horror film um mm -hmm. and so yeah i think going to the first runner-up um which is spree um mm -hmm. and again as we kind of talked about in our top 10 i think the idea of the setting for a horror movie being a wannabe youtuber slash streamer who has been doing this for a, a very long time and just gotten zero response zero fame zero money zero attention just anything he's just a complete nobody on the internet and that is something that happens to thousands and thousands of people um and so the idea of right really digging into who that person is what makes them want to do it do they do it for the love of it or do they do it because they want something else and clearly with this character it's because he wants the, the fame and he wants the money and all that stuff you know, he wants to be someone um and then kind of combining that with okay that's your setup for this character then combining that like you say with their take on the uber driver which is its own thing you know that in itself could be its own film of like of, i'm sure you know like, oh uber driver who kills people yeah. you know it's a very basic concept but it, it works and it's very narrow but kind of to add that of like oh no well actually he's streaming himself given these car journeys so he's trying to make it kind of like a bit weird and a bit interesting because he wants it to be entertaining for his videos so not necessarily just giving the passengers the best ride and kind of like mm -hmm. all of that and then it brings in a lot of different kind of like socially relevant stuff as well with other characters and the way it goes and yeah just the concept of this movie of this kind of like weird 
um very much a loner character who is this like wannabe fame hungry guy just trying anything to get attention i think is great and yeah it's, it's such a good concept i think yeah i think it's the dual approach i think it is the the youtube fame hungry kind of side of it and the 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 uber kind of um you know simple kind of idea i think both of those would be a really good original concept that, that could make the list and the fact that there's the two combined is why this definitely makes the list mm. Um, uh, but yeah, I think, uh, yeah, going into something that I think kind of, um, I I think sometimes as well with concept, I think it is, um, give me a very short premise of a movie and, Mm. and I'm instantly like, I want to watch this movie is the definition of what this category is. And, and yeah, and, I don't yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I think this year for me, that was the platform. Mm. Um, we, we heard the concept. We've, we've talked about the concept already, this crazy idea of a prison and kind of the, the food going down the layers and everything else. And I was just like, I have to see how this works. I have to see what this means. And I, and I have to see what this is about. And, and so I think already that's why it kind of, um, would make the list. Um, but then the fact that they delivered on the level they delivered with that concept and explored almost every question I had to do with that mm. concept is is why it, it firmly kind of cemented itself onto this list for me. Yeah, I completely agree. It's like it's this it's relatively basic in its uh, you know, what it says, but then it's like, right, that's really cool, first and foremost. Like as long as you sa- make something that sounds interesting, that's gonna draw us in. But then yeah, like they're able to kind of keep that momentum going. I think what's great about the platform is like that is the movie it's not like they backdoor you in a sense where it's like yeah. okay it's going to be yeah, about it's not this like you get an hour, an hour of them outside of the prison yeah it's, it's like, not it's it's not like it's like okay you think it's about this the food and the levels but then it's like oh but actually it's about this hero who's trying to find his wife or something you know yeah. it's like they, they kind of like troll you and then just go off into a more generic angle it's like no the movie stays of course there's subplots and different characters but the movie really stays true i think to that concept throughout which i really appreciated um but yeah the winner again another movie that we've discussed many times um is run and yeah for me this was like as soon as i saw this film pretty much about 10 minutes in i was like this is the winner for best concept because it was like on paper i thought it sounded fantastic i remember seeing that trailer and being kind of blown away because i was like well this is what i imagined from reading the concept like what i wanted the movie to look like and then it was just a case of right when i see this movie are they somehow able to deliver this over the course Mm -hmm. of 90 minutes because it's very difficult like you pretty much only have two characters um and then you pretty much have one who is very dependent on the other one because that's why it's interesting so it's like how do they actually get away and how do you keep that interesting for and they they did it again well i don't want to get into specifics but like they actually done it and kept this movie movie somehow fresh and original until the final scenes um so i have to give huge credit for that concept because people can say like oh well yeah it's pretty basic but it it worked on every single level for me so i just i love the concept for this one and i, and I think sometimes like um you know we we've never seen anything like platform or spree mm. and i think something like um uh run you may have seen variants on this and you may have even think like well this this idea must have been done but I don't think there's ever been the execution to the level that the that, that, um, that run did it on. And yeah. that's why it kind of like, you know, it, 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 it makes its way onto the top of this list for sure. For sure. Um, but yeah, we just got uh, halfway through now. I mean, where should we go with the next one? These are some big ones to, to give out. Yeah, uh, I guess I guess we go uh, best surprise. 
Yeah, I was thinking um, that one because a lot of this we have already discussed. <laughs> yeah, so um, starting this one off f- for me, probably one of the big. Yeah, well, obviously it's on the list, but you know, with with the um, fact that there was zero hype for this movie, and then mm. it ended up so high on our list is is the, the definition of surprise, mm. um, and that's Saint Maud. Um, I think kind of. Uh, we might have said already, but we definitely said in our review that like we we might not have even seen this movie had we been in a normal year. And the fact that this was like a Halloween film and like that could have been right around the time of tons of releases. But um, instead, like we were hungry for the cinema. And so we saw this and, and kind of, you know, going in, I was just pleased to be at the cinema and mm. then to actually see this movie and it blows me away. And like um, the escalation of this movie to like you know having no hype going into it and being like okay like this is interesting you know really nice british background we've got this character things things are moving along nicely but the last 20 minutes of this movie just are absolutely incredible and so insane and just kind of like just just this hidden gem that so many people will not see mm. yeah i think um it's you know, it was a surprise just because we we had no hype for it, like you said. And I think mm. that this this category is very much the one that is so specific to us, where it's like, what does that mean? Well, it's it can mean multiple things. It can mean that maybe we thought a movie was going to be terrible and it turned out to be great. Maybe yeah, it's like one that freaky, we just have any expectations for. The, the kind of fringes of this, exactly. Yeah, of like, well, it was surprising with how you know they actually pulled it off. But yeah, I think this was. Uh, this is the more traditional one of just like here's a movie that we had no hope for that we absolutely adored so i think it's very easy to see why it was best surprise especially with like the you know the title saint maud the religious connotations it's like i'm I'm already thinking of like the nun and potentially the exorcist and just any of those kind of movies that i just don't find interesting in the slightest um when it is this kind of like heavy christian based focus um Mm -hmm. for a horror film and especially if it's like possession stuff i'm like i'm already asleep just thinking thinking about it um and for this movie to not be that it's about a real human who is pushed to her to her limit due to her own faith in different uh, things like i think that is exactly what i want that's what i want religion to be used in movies in 2020 and going forward i think that is such a more modern outlook on those types of things Mm -hmm. um i think the exorcist was like relevant at the time but that's that movie's like 40 years old at this point um so yeah, I, I'm so happy that St. Maud's on this list. And then yeah, the the other runner up was kind of what we discussed before in Best TV Show, um, with the Twilight Zone season two. I mean, yeah, in terms of surprising, uh, it it cannot be understated how surprisingly good this was. Um, yeah. it, it is it is one of the biggest jumps in quality I've ever seen between two seasons of a TV show. Um, for a TV show that quite likely should have been cancelled, um, <laughs> and I wouldn't have been surprised in the slightest because no one watched it and it wasn't good. Um. so they got season two and it's great but it seems like no one's watching it still um they haven't discussed going forward which is always worrying i think a silence speaks volumes um they haven't officially cancelled it which is good and they were very late announcing season two but kind of like if we don't hear anything by like end of feb i have to imagine this is this is done which i'd be really sad about because i think they've really established what they want to do with twilight zone now and i think they could just kick on and on it's really difficult because you just wonder how much kind of you know jordan is the really key driving force of it and you wonder Mm. like if if a lot of people aren't seeing this which does seem to be the case like how much is he going to continue with it because you know his, his stuff is so mega popular outside of this yeah, and this show doesn't look cheap either. Like no. they got they got act they got big actors, yeah. and it, it, it looks very expensive for 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 what this is of a show that is mm. 
extremely niche <laughs> to say the yeah. least but um yeah there's only one surprise of 2020 <laughs> that wins this list um yeah if you want to know moment... why just listen to the audio from two weeks ago <laughs> listen to the audio listen to the, to the to the kind of 15 minute rant that you go on just where you get <laughs> i could i could like sense you like saliva forming in the corner yeah. of your mouth as you were talking yeah um when when I saw this episode of TV and um, knew that you hadn't, I was like, I was giddy with excitement, and like I didn't know what to do because I almost needed to like figure out a way to live stream you uh, to get to get your real time reaction. Um, and yeah, it is the fact that Richard Brake appeared in Mandalorian. Mm. Um, that's right. Best surprise isn't a TV show or a film; <laughs> it's a moment. Because, I still can't believe it. It was the biggest yeah. surprise. I'm that, still moment, that moment blew my mind it blew your mind and for you know anyone listening to this podcast the fact that we had this level of hype for mandalorian mm. and then the fact that the most hype horror actor of this podcast then just popped up in it was just yeah it was exquisite it was it was what we needed like he literally couldn't write it and i think since when and this that was way more likely but when richard Brake was cast in free from hell that was like a dream come true and it almost felt like oh my god this thing happened that we mm. wanted to happen and and this is different because it was something that i never expected in a million years no but nor, the, nor just, did i want like i wanted richard in free from hell I was exactly that, that, was, that was just like i never it was, knew this was what i wanted no and this was like 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 what i said where you know how you've talked about it with him playing freddy it just would have been so outlandish like i couldn't even process it and then the fact that it happened and it happened perfectly and he fucking nailed the role um just adds to that and it, and it was like oh my god a favorite actor who we love is appearing on the best show on tv right now it was just like i just couldn't believe it and it became it just it was such a surprise um can't believe he didn't tell us this like come on richard um yeah. but it was just amazing i cannot believe it and it is one of the feel-good moments for me of the year let alone surprise like it's easily the best surprise um oh i lost my shit I still Absolutely can't believe it. I still can't believe it. Um, but yeah, moving on, I guess the best death, um, which is always the most spoilery of awards. Cause we're talking about characters dying in films. <laughs> and I am going to be very cautious here because of course we have to talk about these because we're giving them award. But what I will say right now is that one of the films oh, that we're going to talk about multiple times here is one of the films that is not widely available. Um, so yeah. if you do not want to hear any spoilers about the movie Saint Maud, I would say skip forward at least a minute or two. Um, yeah, until we're talking about minutes. actors. Um, because yeah, yeah, we'll be doing best male and female performance after this, but we need to talk about best death first. So final mm -hmm. warning for slight spoilers about Saint Maud. Um, yeah. But yeah, I guess kind of, yeah, I mean, we should probably just say them together, right? Because the, the two runners up in this category mm -hmm. are both from St. Maud. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah, it is the death of Amanda and the death of Maud. And I think kind of, I think what we said earlier was true where I couldn't separate these two because they were so yeah. impactful to me both their deaths in this movie, both visually and the emotional weight of both of them. Um, I, I, I don't know how much into detail I went on the show, but the death of Amanda was the scariest thing I've seen this year. I think like, we couldn't because, because we just knew that no one had seen this movie, so we barely got to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, and it's uh, difficult, but we have to talk about these things yeah. um, because it is the end of the year. But like, it scared the fuck out of me, um, yeah. like genuinely. And it was the most scary thing I've seen all the, all the year, and super I could not violent, believe it. Super yeah. real 
Oh, it was um, unbelievable. It makes me know, feel sick to my stomach just yeah, thinking about it now. There, there are there are certain things where you you're watching a movie and you feel like, oh, that's a horror movie death. You're watching um, Freaky. The mm. opening scene of Freaky is just this over the top death sequence, which is super fun and really enjoyable. The, the death of Amanda really felt like they they killed someone. Like it yeah. looked so real. And it was so graphic and just so poignant because the movie is leading to this point. And like you say, it's terrifying. The, the, the What kicks this off is just really terrifying. Definitely. And it's like like what we said so much about a slow burn, if you want to call it that, is like yeah. the best ones will absolutely kill you at the end. And, and that is why you go along with that journey. And I think going along this journey with Amanda and Maud to then get to this moment, be so visceral, is like it just completely floors you. Because, yeah, if you watch the scene out of context, I'm sure it wouldn't have the same impression. Um, mm. And then, yeah, the other one being the death of Maud kind of like – the absolute culmination of this incredible powerful movie um to then see like it's you know one of the best things about this movie is how it keeps going back and forth between what is reality and what is actually happening mm. and we, we we're kind of in the shoes of Maud throughout the whole movie so there's a couple of things that happen you know one of the major things that happened before that is like the the wings kind of that we see on Maud's back and yeah. we, we start to see these weird like supernatural moments where you think to yourself like oh, okay well, like what is going on like is there actually some weird shit going on here um and it's only in that final moment when i think the, the movie really shows its hand and fully reveals what's going on mm. again still in a spectacular way because it's almost like two frames at the end of the film yeah. um but it, but it culminates in that incredible moment where she kills herself on the beach and she's like screaming on fire and then you get that second where she's like what is it? she like floating with like a halo yeah you know, it's like a glorious moment where she's mm. like transcending from a human body yeah and... it's that moment of transcendence which is just kind of you know the the fantastical side of it that, mm. that this movie doesn't give you it gives you small glimpses of and i think you yeah. get that palette in a believable way and just kind of when it gives you that it's just it's just it's just like it's the ultimate payoff I think. Oh yeah, because it was it was the other way around, wasn't it? Because it was she was it was all transcendent, and then for like a second you see like the actual yeah, reality, yeah. don't you? Where yeah. she's like on fire, screaming, yeah. and that's what everyone else sees. And it's like, oh shit! Like she she this was just all in her head, and she yeah. she just yeah. fucking she just, really murdered that woman, just, and now she yeah. just burned herself on alive. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, it's so crazy, man! Like, I just cannot believe they went there and committed mm. to it. And it just it, the whole movie is obviously breathtaking. It's the reason why it was our number two film but these two deaths are insane it's it's the impact of like religion that it's had on her and like that side of it that shows that that can be a super poignant uh you know subject within horror Mm. and i think kind of like this and stuff like midsummer and that sort of thing really do do give that payoff um but yeah as as kind of um deep as an impactful as those two are again kind of spoiler warning uh for this one i mean they're all spoilery but i Mm. think um yeah, uh, the best death of the year was Emily in The Invisible Man. Mm. Um, which, again, like, you know, this Invisible Man's not a slow burn. No. But um, it is, in a sense of real extroverted kind of, you know, or, or real horror and real deaths. There is there is no deaths. This is the first death in the movie, technically. And, um, you know, you... Um, you're not i don't even know at this point whether i was even expecting deaths or or anything like that to happen it was more just like him messing with elizabeth moths and um you know slowly making her go insane and just this moment came out of nowhere where just suddenly 
the knife lifted up and and the second the knife lifted up and was behind her i was like i had this half second where i was almost in her shoes where i was like fuck and then it happened and and i i had no chance to react like i almost wanted to jump into the screen but i couldn't it happened too quick mm. and it was super violent it was the catalyst for the full final act of the movie and just um you know for me the, the second we were talking about best death this just this just jumped into my mind mm. like it's been in my mind all year and this death you know th- this kind of sequence just has not left me yeah well, i think it ticks every box as like the emotional weight of of seeing her her sister get killed that way right in front of her very eyes mm. is crazy i think the visual aspect of it it's a movie that is really awesome obviously but it's not like graphic horror in the slightest until mm-hmm. this one moment so that's kind of like it really floors you like oh shit this woman just got her throat slit in broad daylight really well lit where you can see every single thing that happened is crazy as well but then also like for what it means for the story and the characters because the invisible man has been very much this kind of like in the background character you know the classic like oh i'm gonna move something in the background Mm. i'm gonna try and fuck with you a little bit but he's very passive because he doesn't want to give away who he is and what he's doing yeah it's the first it's the first moment in the movie he gives himself away to another character yeah well it's just like it's ridiculous because he's he's like you're breaking all of the rules at that time like you're doing it in public you're floating a knife like if anyone sees that you're you're screwed and and then kills a character and you're like well why did he do that and then like a few moments later you're immediately like oh okay he's perfectly set up like screwing over elizabeth once again in this movie so it's just yeah it 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 was easily number one for me like it ticked Mm -hmm. every box it was a great moment in that film um and yeah it was like visually insane and it was it's the one movement that like i've watched the movie now a few times and especially watching it with people who haven't seen the movie yeah it's always the moment it's always the one where you're kind of looking over me like oh they're not ready for this shit (laughs) like it's so great to rewatch. you Um, do have this false sense of security that because mm. you know you're not expecting there to be a lot of murder and death and then suddenly this comes along yeah for sure um Mm -hmm but yeah i guess moving on to uh penultimate award now um best female performance um which i have to say these are always by far the most difficult categories every single yeah. year it has been since we started and the, these are the ones where i mean what we had about 40 names on these at one point oh, crazy. <laughs> yeah. and like so to get it down to like one and two runners up is like almost impossible um but yeah where, where do you want to start with this one um yeah so i guess kind of um uh you know i think this shows the level of kind of these are our favorite movies yeah of the year. um and and yeah kind of uh first of all we've got kira allen from uh run mm. and i think kind of her um like you say debutante performance going up against um someone like sarah paulson that's just so established and so fantastic and and sarah was on this list for the last second yeah you know it has to be said and i think kind of um but you know her as a debutante performance in in this just kind of um you know a real um you know she's a real introverted character she's very heavily um you know, uh, managed by, by, by her mother and kind of really, um, isolated from the world and kind of, you know, a real difficult character to portray and, and kind of, um, you know, can be, you know, that sort of character could easily just be moody or boring or just not someone that you'd massively get behind, but she just adds a life to it. And, and, um, 
that you instantly love her as a character and then throughout this whole movie you just you just root for her like i think kind of we haven't necessarily had a lot of cat and mouse movies this year and i mm. think kind of when we have it's it's been more of the villain and kind of the 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 kind of um you know bad guy in the scene that that's leading those scenes and i think in this movie it's it's kira and her performance that that's kind of driving it forward and you'll want for her to survive more than anything and get through this mm. um you know it, you know there's, there's quite often you know we've just done de- best death where we're watching movies and i'm kind of ready for a body count whereas in this movie i'm like oh please don't let anything happen to her <laughs> yeah like I, you know and i think that's just that just shows the level of performance that i just wanted her to be okay and get through this ride yeah for sure i think you know it just shows the power of like when you can get a character that you're invested in in these horror movies it just goes such a long way like the the kind of classic screen queen and all that stuff is obviously great but i think it's when you have this lead protagonist that you just feel such a akin to where you're like it it almost feels like your own family member that's going Mm. through this and you're just like man i just want you to get through this and yeah i think out of all the movies this year this is like i mean we we got some three very strong like female leads here that we're going to discuss um but this is very much one of those ones that i was just like man from minute one i was just rooting for this character so hard and really wanted them to survive and i think it all came from that performance that i think is just stunning for someone who has done so little like it i i watched the movie and was like okay where's this person been hiding their whole life you know i'm gonna look at all these things i just haven't seen and and they've done nothing and i'm like oh okay this is one of those moments like when we saw anya in the witch where it was like this is the start of a star you know (laughs) like this is the birth of a star in front of our very eyes like it is just incredible performance um and then pretty much the same for the next one, I have to say, um, in terms of the, yeah, the other runner up, which is Morfed Clark, um, from St. Maud, um, of course, of course, who played Maud in the film mm-hmm. and a, a very similar character in some ways in terms of the, the level of rooting for. And I think it's, you know, it's a very sad character, as we keep saying. And it's mm-hmm. very much this character who, you know, is going to make so many bad decisions and you want to just stop them because mm-hmm. you can see the path that they're going down pretty early on, especially in the first third. Well, they, this... they talk about her early, you know, we don't even see them, but she's yeah. made mistakes before we even meet her as a character. Yeah. Know, we know that she's kind of likely to go down this path. Yeah, because like, yeah, she kind of has these moments and then it's like, right, okay, now I've found faith and I feel like this is what's going to get me on the right path. And initially you're kind of hopeful for her because you're like, well, you know, this may work for this person, you know, and, and she, you know, she's a caregiver. She loves her job and that's a very fulfilling job and a very selfless job. So it could Mm -hmm. be something that is very fulfilling for a character like Maud, but you can just, you get that sense of like, this just isn't going to work out. And I think it's a sense of inevitability. Yeah. Like early on, she just starts making these wrong choices and especially when she kind of falls out um a favor with amanda and it, and it's just kind of like oh like where is this character going to go like you, she made this one small mistake with amanda and now she's like pushed away the only person that she really had mm. this relationship with because she could help her um and that is the very much the beginning of end and i think the performance aspect of this film like you say is she is she's probably on screen in like what 95 percent of the scenes in this film um, yeah probably yeah 
and it's like this must have been a nightmare to cast like they must have interviewed mm. so many different people because it can't be anyone famous it has to be someone who's very kind of small in their appearance and very timid but can also carry a film like it's such a hard role to and that's why i can't mm -hmm. wait to hear like the the commentary of this film and how they kind of were able to cast these roles um but she, yeah she is an absolute gem that come out of nowhere i know she has done some other stuff as well but i've not yeah, seen we've, well we've seen her in we saw her in crawl didn't we was she in Cruel, was she? Yeah. And Dracula, which we which we spoke about, obviously. Was it this year, Dracula TV? Yeah, show? that was this year. Was she in that as well? Yeah, she was like the main nun in, in, in no, Dracula. No, she wasn't, was she? I thought so, um, but she was definitely in Dracula. And then right. um, she she plays like the, the sister in Cruel. Oh, very right. Small part. Right, okay. Um, okay, fair enough. Yeah. So she has, yeah. Oh, yeah. I just seen, yeah. She's going to be in the Lord of the Rings TV show as well. Oh, so, really? nice. yeah. So, like, she is getting a lot of big stuff. So, yeah. This is again. I think for me, this is um very yeah. similar. These two runners up of like oh, they sorry, were. She's not the nun. She she's the the new kind of the the young character that comes into play later on. Sorry. Oh, is it? I couldn't. Mina, yeah, I couldn't remember Mina, who she she's was. Called. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um. But yeah, I think both of these two are like, I'm so happy they're in there. They deserve to be in here for their performances in these films, but they're very much ones to watch in the coming years mm. where like, these are two names that at the start of this year, I didn't know who either of these people were. Yeah. And now they are very much on my radar because they're absolutely incredible. Um, but yeah, there can only be one winner. Definitely. And we've, we've already touched upon this in kind of, um, you know, in order to have a great villain, you, you have to have, um, you know, someone you're behind and root in. And um, that is Elizabeth Moss in Invisible Man. Mm. I think kind of she her performance is the reason that the Invisible Man made our best villain. Mm. Uh, you know, an invisible guy making that list feels wrong. But she makes that a thing because from the opening beat of this movie, her performance is just I've I've never really seen it portrayed in that way where this kind of um you, you you not until the final moments of the movie do you get a sample of the abuse that she's had to go through um we don't see any of that on screen at the start of the movie or in the, in the middle of the movie yet you 100 percent believe and know what she's been through and you see her dealing with that as a character and just kind of like this really strong female character but has been really ground down and broken and kind of finding that strength again and i just think like i've never seen that level of genuine performance where i believed every second of it mm. i think um you know and then just kind of when you see her kind of get completely broken but then gather up that strength and find that strength to fight back like it's it's one of the most kind of i've ever rooted for someone in a movie and i think like like we've seen obviously elizabeth in a lot of things obviously you know you've talked about handmaid's tale obviously um you know in kind of us and that sort of thing she was fantastic but but for me like this this was just just on another level of performance that, that i that i hadn't seen from her yeah, I was just so happy to see her in this film. Like you say, with, with Handmaid's Tale, it was, you know, the other two movies that we just discussed, it was very much like, oh, it must have been so hard to cast these roles. Mm. Whereas I feel like with with Lee or whoever was the casting director, this must have been quite easy because I think if you look at a, the level of actors that are out there right now and what they've done on other stuff, like Elizabeth Moss was kind of like, 
She she just yeah, must have one, been one of the, the first names on the guy. list. Mm-hmm. Yeah, where it was like it is pretty similar to to the role she does on TV, but it's it's a lead role in a film, and so it's always a case of like, well, how is that going to translate? And she just knocked it out of the park completely. Yeah. She's so professional. I mean, she's been around for so long at this point and done so yeah. many different roles. Um, yet we we haven't really been able to talk about it on the podcast, and so that was why it was so great to be like. Oh, she is the lead protagonist in this really big, awesome new horror film. Um, and yeah, from the from the second I kind of saw her, really, this was one of those ones that was was a front runner and did stay there until the end of the film. Uh, t- sorry, until the end of the year, where it was yeah. like Elizabeth Moss, Invisible Man. Yep, that's the best female. Right, let's move on. And and yeah. she somehow was able to keep that for the last like nine months. And I think that yeah. just shows like the powerfulness of this performance for sure. Um, and then yeah, there was there's only one award left. The last award of 2020 mm-hmm. um, is yeah, I think for me the most difficult out of all of them really. Um, yeah. And it was best male performance. Um, and yeah, we do we do have an honorable mention here actually. A fourth place <laughs> coming in late because I had to give him his credit um, is of course one Pedro Pascal um, from The Mandalorian. Um, and I've also just seen him in Wonder Woman and my God, this guy can fucking act. He's so good. (laughs) I love everything about this guy. He, he could not be playing a more different role Mm -hmm. in that film yet. He's still incredible. I just love this guy so much. And yeah, the level of emotion that he's able to bring. And I think obviously most of that is through his voice uh, performance. Um, but he's just a stunning actor. He is so underrated by everyone, I think. Um, but he, he's just incredible. And I, I really wanted to get him on this list, but he just, I think I think he's incredibly underrated in Mandalorian because everyone just thinks he's a mask with a voice, and yeah. it's, it's it's Baby Yoda that's giving you the emotion. But he, mm. he emotion works two ways, and I think like you know that that final episode really does show that. I was going to say, yeah, like no one can watch that finale and tell me that he's not an incredible actor. No. <laughs> Absolutely no one. But yeah, I guess kicking off the list proper, um, our first runner up um, is Joe Carey in Spree. Mm-hmm. um which again yeah we talked about spree and just he was it, it was so surprising how awesome he was you know like we were obviously fans of his but mm-hmm. i think what is great about these types of movies is that we we'd only seen joe in one thing you know so mm-hmm. it was very much like oh i consider myself a fan of this guy but it's very hard to disconnect sometimes between the character and the actor and is it just the fact that we obviously love steve so it's like does that translate to the actor of course it's him doing the actor but do you know yeah. what i'm trying to say it's like yeah do you, we don't, just you steve don't know whether it's the character or the actor yeah mm-hmm. at that point because you've only seen him in one thing and exactly. like you love the show you love the characters but do you love the actors you know because that's like so you, many of the actors and yeah. things yeah I was, I was literally what i was about to say mm-hmm. yeah and, and it's until you see them in other things that you start to realize they have that weight and level behind them you know for sure. And so this was his like coming out to party to me. Like I say, I have seen uh, a lot of the uh, other Stranger Things actors in other stuff now and it's great. And they've all delivered, which has been awesome. Um, mm-hmm. But this was like one of the best of like, oh my God, you're carrying this horror film. And it's mm-hmm. this weird thing that's like really new and original. And sadly, a lot of people aren't seeing it for some unknown reason, but it's fucking awesome. So yeah, I'm so happy that he got on here, man. It's, it's such mm-hmm. a great one. Definitely. Um, and then, yeah, kind of coming in at number two, well, uh, coming in uh, in the top three is um, from our number one movie was where I was coming from uh, <laughs> is uh, Robert Patterson. Um, oh, it's the most painful runner up of them all for me. It is indeed. <laughs> I think kind of, um, you know, the start of the movie, we get uh, kind of less of him, really kind of him just kind of being 
this hard grafter and not, you know, a very straight character. And as this movie, this movie is very much through his lens. Mm. And as he starts to go insane, there, there are moments in this movie where I'm just worried for him. <laughs> like, I, I almost, like can't watch it because i'm just scared about like what 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 <laughs> robert was going through because i just yeah. feel like it was him just having a go at robert eggers just like screaming into the camera lens like yeah. what the hell are you doing to it was me? real as um, well when they talk about and he talks about it in the commentary he says like i put robert through the ringer in this movie like, yeah like <laughs> i feel like he was losing his mind mm. and like it really is shown on screen like the the points where he he is just like proper screaming and just kind of shouting nonsense mm. i just i just like it it it, it it scares me uh, mm. to the level he went to on it. And, and yeah, that's why he, he 100% makes this list. Yeah, he's one of those actors that almost has like an out-of-body experience while he's acting because he's mm. so in the role that, yeah, you get scared for him where it's like, where is Robert anymore? Like, I don't think he mm. exists anymore. Now he is just this 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 lighthouse keeper in, in yeah. this and in and black I think, and white. I think, like, he was so typecast. You know, yeah. Twilight and, and Harry Potter was such big parts of his career that 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 you know we've we've seen it we've seen it you know we've seen daniel radcliffe for mm. years struggle to try to get out of that uh mindset of people is like oh there's harry potter in a movie you know and i think kind of robert's had that as well and i think kind of like when you watch a movie like this mm. there's not a second of me that ever thought of him as as anything other than this goddamn psychopath in this movie 100%. you know and i think kind of like that just shows the level of his acting yeah and that mustache as well like powerful absolutely powerful it is powerful it is powerful um, speaking of facial hair yeah but the winner um is yeah unsurprisingly the only person that could dethrone robert in this category is his co-star in the lighthouse um as we obviously discussed earlier talking about it kind of gave it away but yeah willem dafoe in this movie uh, is is breathtaking from every single second and i think he it was very difficult for me to not give it to Robert because I think the yeah. the kind of the journey that Robert goes on is great because I think Willem just plays crazy from kind of the get go really, <laughs> um, but like the stuff he does like the the kind of the the big monologue in the middle of the movie when the lightning is striking on his face and he's just mm. like nailing every single word of this crazy speech is is stunning and then like later on when he he has to lay in a grave while Robert is shoveling actual dirt on his face and he's still talking while he's eating this actual dirt is like he unbelievable eats he eats <laughs> yeah like willem dafoe is uh, like you say th these are two psychopaths that are kind of yeah. like i love them so much for how much they're crazy but like i'm scared for both of them um yeah. because they're not right <laughs> and i've i've always thought that with like the best actors you know definitely people like um uh what's his face he played joker i forgot now off the top of my head um last year what's his goddamn name i've completely forgot um Joaquin phoenix um, um yep. like he's an absolute psycho as well like there's just there's so many of these people who are like they they just go so hard into their mm. work and and as a film fan i cannot get enough of it because what they're able to pull out of their own bodies and that is like on camera is unbelievable to me uh it's something that i just can't even imagine ever being that committed to something and yeah what willem does in this movie he's just outrageous like every single second of this movie is 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 made better because of his performance and again with rob like i feel like it's so difficult to not give this one to rob because this is like the most joint award it's, ever <laughs> it's very like if we could have broken the rules and mm. given a join i think like we would have for this because it is yeah. you know their two performances is what made this movie of the year but mm. then then it kind of got to the point that you know 
we want to stay true and you have to give it the nod. And I think on any given day, you can have an argument for the other one. But yeah, yeah I think ultimately it was those two moments, really, that extended monologue that is just so powerful. The way his face is shot, it just doesn't even look human. And mm. then like his performance, like it's just it's haunting and just kind of I don't understand how he could get that done the way he did it. And then and then, yeah, the fact that then he, he effectively gets buried alive and carries out this monologue and you're just watching it and you're just like what are you doing Mm. like you know and it's just um you know it is another level his energy at his age is like ridiculous like when they're having their fight sequences towards the end and they're like robert is like flipping him over his shoulder and all of that stuff in like Mm. this wet room it's like it's just unbelievable what they're able to achieve and it's yeah it's it's i'm so happy that this movie exists for sure (laughs) um but yeah that is pretty much it for the for the show. Can you believe it? This this has to be like one of our longest shows ever. I think at this point, <laughs> we did it, which is surprising to me. Um, but yeah, I mean, the year enders are always long, man. It's always yeah. a journey. It's always fun, and it just shows you know we had a hell of a lot to talk about this year. Yeah, like it's weird, right? Like it's you know I think the middle of the year was the worst. The was the worst part, obviously, yeah. because like we had so much great stuff at the start of the year, like Invisible Man and Lighthouse. Then we had this like very big low in the summer, and then the last couple of months have like massively picked up again. So, mm. and I think that is the oh, case. Yeah, you, you would see a lot of this top ten is between kind of the first mm. three first three months and last three months. Hundred <laughs> percent, absolutely. And I think that is the case of twenty nineteen was I think the best year for horror that we've had. Mm-hmm. um and so i think we were kind of seeing the hangover from that and then it was like the shit show that was 2020 dominated the conversation mm-hmm. for the middle part of the year and i hope that this has kind of like been the precursor to to new beginnings next year for the film industry um as as what it's been like the last couple of months um but yeah i guess just just as a as a final kind of thing really kind of looking forward to 2021 like what would be like if there was one thing more than anything and that's a very hard question to answer. But, like, what is the one thing that you just want more than anything right now out of all the things that are on the table? No more delays. <laughs> no more delays? <laughs> that's, a, that's a cheat answer. <laughs> I'm going to need a film or a TV show. <laughs> um, it's very Man. difficult. Candyman. Candyman. Mm. Yeah. I think Candyman. Yeah. Um,. I'm going to say it five times um, because because, <laughs> uh, you know, it, it's it's with it's with that and quiet place. It's those movies that we were so close to mm. that, that um, we still haven't got to see. Like, I haven't got past them yet. I haven't mentally moved past the fact that we haven't seen Quiet Place or Candyman. So, so yeah. it's those two for me. And the longer it's gone on, the more the more hyped <clears throat> in the moment I was for Quiet Place because it was our movie of the year, mm. um, the, the original. Um but now kind of a bit more removed from it. I'm kind of like, will it ever live up to that hype? Whereas mm. like Candyman is just like this, this horror movie franchise that we have loved anyway. And mm. then the fact that it's got this obscure reboot, Jordan behind it, the, the hype of those trailers, like I cannot wait for it. Yeah. F- for me, I have to stay on brand and I have to say spiral um, because I, I still, can't, you, bro. <laughs> I still, you know, I still can't believe that there's this new Saw movie coming and like, yes, there's negativity. Uh, there's still massive question marks about a lot of this project, Chris Rock mostly. Um, but like, yeah, the fact that Darren is returning to direct has, has me very excited. And yeah, like, I, of course I live for the hype, right? So I have to be excited. Yeah. It's, it's my favorite horror franchise of all time. Um, even though the last two entries have not been good and, and so I just hope that they're able to pull it back. Um, but in terms of outside of that, 
of all of the things in i guess in terms of what i think has the best chance of being great um out of all of the things that we know that are announced i would completely agree and say my answer is Candyman. Mm. i think out of all the things that we've seen at least bits of and, and are kind of out there in the ether and i'm including stuff that we haven't seen trailers for like scream 5 and stuff i i think Candyman has the best potential to be like the best out of all of them reasons you said i think it's it's so prime now i just I feel like we're ready for new Candyman right now because it's not been shoved down our throats for so long. And I think what they're doing with that film just looks from, from the trailer anyway, it looks perfect. And with, with I love Yaya. He's one of my favorite actors around. And so I cannot wait to see him in that role. The, so, yeah. the second that we live in a world where movies start to come out though. And like, mm. I'm hoping that like at the front of that queue it, are the things like um, quiet place and Candyman Cause I've just mm. got to get them done at this point. I need to see them. Yeah. Um, but the second things start hitting their release date and we know that either cinema is back, which is my strongest hope, but mm. if not, the other distributions are available to all films. Um, man, that hype for Scream is going to get big. <laughs> like that hype, it's going to be the biggest win or the mm. more, the, the biggest crippling loss I'm going to experience on this podcast to date. Yeah. I'm not, um, mo- I'm not like mentally ready for it yet. Like even though we've talked no, about I mean, it so much in the news, um, I'm with you that it's so far away. The second we, obviously... we start to be, the, the second we see something, the second a teaser drops is when, all hype ends for everything else yeah there's just like it's gonna be insane like i can't wrap my head around it because there's so many hurdles to get to that point and yeah i'm with you that like the potential is so big but there there is about 50 different things that they could fuck up on the way to it oh this is this is uh for people that love us going off brand with horror this is endgame yeah you know this is there there is one scenario where this is the movie i want it to be and there are millions of others where it's not yeah and it's just like man if you fuck with so many different things in this franchise that to me are like untouchable mm-hmm. you're gonna you're gonna have an enemy for life and it, already i'm pissed off with the title so good job on the first step <laughs> but obviously in the in the grand scheme of things that's completely irrelevant but like that's all we can judge right now and that's a bad first step but i mean we shall see. That's not even coming until 2022, though. So we have plenty of stuff to talk about until then. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was our best of 2020 special and absolutely unprecedented, insane year to talk about, which is probably why this is, I believe, our longest podcast ever. Um, but yeah, hopefully you guys have enjoyed it. We will be back in a couple of weeks um, in the new year to talk about new films, which is mm-hmm. always exciting. And we will also be discussing what will surely be your longest ever and most biggest and comprehensive upcoming horror movie list of all time. I can't promise that right now. Like, <laughs> there, there's too much stuff that's already been delayed. You like, got to do it. I, you got to do I it. I don't know whether I can bring it, bring it, bring the fire, but we you will have see. To. Cause, th- cause think about it this way. Think about the hype, you know, like think about the True. amount of movies that you get to talk about that are insane. <laughs> I don't know if we, I mean, this is already our longest podcast, though. I think that would be a longer <laughs> podcast because there are too many movies. Let's but, do it. <laughs> um, I mean, I could just, I could just cut and paste last year's, to be honest, because that's yeah. most of them. Just add a few ones. Yeah. yeah. We shall talk about that in the coming weeks. Um, but yeah, that was it. Episode 228. Thanks for listening, as always. And we'll see you again very soon. See you later, everyone. I never could, huh?